You ever seen snow like this? A couple times. Where? <laughs> uh, mostly Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, New York. It's coming down right now, ain't it? Yeah, it's, it's falling pretty fast now. Isn't that a pretty sight out that window? It's gorgeous. I haven't seen it uh, accumulate that quick very very often. Yeah, it's sticking It's sticking good right now. and I, I haven't even looked at the forecast to see how many inches we're supposed to get, but we start hunting tomorrow, and uh, this should uh, put a little sense of urgency in the bird's ears to get them out feeding hard. And when it snows like this, it gets a lot easier to pattern wildlife, you know? Mm-hmm. When it gets cold, and, and that's when you can, they, they kind of start getting a little bit more huntable. When it's not cold, you know, they can pretty much do whatever they want. They got no right. pressure on them. They're not freaked out. They can right. survive on what they have inside their system. And But this, it puts their minds in a different thinking process. Um, whether it's deer or ducks, whatever you're chasing, you know, you, you get a storm like this, you're going to get some activity. So I'm pretty excited about it. But coming from where you're from, Louisiana, you don't see this at all <laughs> down there, right? Uh, once every few years, we get to make a muddy snowman. That's about it. Really? Yeah. And it fa- it'll snow that far south. I've seen snow around like We'll get break. some snow sometimes, but most of the time we'll get uh, ice and they shut the state down. <laughs> Where, what part of Louisiana were you born in? Thibodeau, Terrebonne Parish, all the way at the bottom. So that's pretty much as, as Cajun country as you can get or no? Well, it depends on what side of I-10 you live on. I think that's what we say. Uh, everybody south of I-10 are real coon asses. Everybody else is pretending. But... Um, it's pretty far south. I mean, it, it gets a little bit more Cajun than us, but uh, we're we're down there. It does get more Cajun though. Oh, definitely. So, are you considered a coon ass? Proudly. 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 And you're considered a Cajun. <laughs> That's right. And when you say you're proud to be a coon ass Cajun, in what aspects is it something to where it's the the camaraderie? Is it the hunting? Is it the is it the community? Is it the food? I know a lot of social activity anywhere in the country is wrapped around food and table fare, but in, in Louisiana, food's a big deal. It's a real big deal. Um, I mean, I traveled the country for the last almost 10 years. And don't get me wrong, there's nice people everywhere, but it's just different down there. People are a lot more, uh, I guess I could say friendly, not to make anybody mad, but if you're in the Northeast and you open the door for somebody and you know say hey good morning, then they'll stare at you like you like you, you want something from them. Really? <laughs> you do it in Louisiana; it's kind of normal, and they say hey thanks. That's that's kind of the normal there for us. Really? So you're saying that <clears throat> you're saying that there are people in Louisiana. You're going on record right now of saying that Louisiana uh, has the nicest we're, people uh, in the country. Yes, yes, I'll say that. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a big statement, dude. Yeah. And. Are you a big Saints fan? Uh, by default, yes. You have to be. You, so if you live in Louisiana and you and you try to cheer for the Cowboys, you get lynched? Oh, yeah. You have to cheer for LSU and you have to cheer for the Saints. So when LSU got smoked by Alabama uh, and, the Saints just got, <laughs> and the Saints just got beat by the Cowboys, that's a bad day in Louisiana? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what happened on that football game? <laughs> it was all hyped up that they were going to play with them. What, what, what did it Man, end up being? This season especially, when they're in the Superdome, it's it's a whole different team. And they're on the road, I guess, not in their element. And plus, I think this goes across the board with all sports on all levels. You get a little bit of complacency. You're supposed to whip their butt, you know what I mean? Are you talking about LSU? <clears throat> I'm talking about LSU and Does the LSU Saints. play in the Superdome too? No. Where does LSU play? At their field in Baton Rouge. And that gets a big crowd, Death right? Valley, they yeah. get a big crowd, 100,000 people or something, it's, right? It's, it's big. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. And what did they play in Louisiana? Did Alabama come to LSU or did they go to Alabama? Do you remember? Man, I can't remember. What was the score? 
You got to uh, remember that. I don't remember. <laughs> you lied. <laughs> you want me to remind you? I no. don't remember. I like, I've always been a big fan of LSU sports. You know, playing baseball and college baseball and stuff, they always mm-hmm. had an awesome program. They still do. Yeah. They're strong in every aspect of it. And Louisiana's got strong athletics all the way across the board and strong outdoors, fishing and hunting. I mean, I don't even know what Louisiana would be more known for. I would guess fishing. But it's got good deer hunting. It's got insane duck hunting, pretty good turkey hunting. It's got gator hunting, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's got, um, I know I'm missing some stuff, but those would probably be the main ones in the state of Louisiana for hunting, wouldn't it? Gators? I would say, deer I would say across the country as a whole, we're probably known more for seafood or fishing. But I mean, we have good deer hunting, but obviously it depends on what kind of deer you're looking for. We don't necessarily have the big corn fed cows with big moose horns like they get over in the. Kansas and Iowa and yeah. Illinois. We get some big ones, some nice deer. But swamp deer. Yeah. I mean, unless you get further north. I mean, we get some nice deer up there. But uh, the swamp bucks that we have, I guess you can say a trophy swamp buck would probably be a call on most of the uh, Iowa places I've been to. Yeah, cold buck, yeah. management buck. Yeah. So are you a hunter? Yes. You obviously with your life now, you're busy with family and business and your job and then your new business and brand that we're getting into. But what did you grow up deer hunting in Louisiana? Duck hunting? What'd you do? Uh, mostly deer hunting. We had a uh, a lease up in Jonesboro, and uh, I don't know how many years ago it was? We acquired a lease in uh, South Louisiana by where we grew up at. So we have about forty three hundred acres there that we do some deer hunting on. It's a alligator neutral trapping lease, so the deer hunting and the hog hunting is pretty good on it. But what's mostly, a what's a neutral? Neutral rats. Uh, describe it kind of like a beaver with a rat tail. Be and you're and you're hunting these for their fur, obviously not to eat for the tail. And what Just is the bounty t- system? The, the tail brings a bounty. Yeah, five the, bucks piece. And how do you how do you hunt them? Uh, you could set traps if you want to do that route, or uh, whenever it's. I mean, when it gets cold down there, the whole two weeks of cold that we get, uh, they'll kind of huddled up, and you ride around in your boat, find a pile of them, shoot them, grab them, throw them in the boat, cut the tail off, turn the tails in. Where do you turn them in? You got the Department of Wildlife, or is there like a... There's a designated spot. It's usually at like the Civic Center, and you go there, and there's a trailer, and they kind of get your trapper's license, get your information, <clears throat> count them up, and uh, record everything, send you a check in the mail. So coon, <clears throat> you call them coon asses. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're saying that this would just be like a big gathering of coon asses <laughs> that got all these tails of these animals in them. So they go out and they, they'll spend all morning in the swamps killing these nutrients and then they'll cut, cut the tails off, bring them in. And then a guy stands over the pile of $5 bills and just counts it out. <laughs> no, <clears throat> He's counting the tails and uh, records everything. I mean, not everybody can just go and get like a nutrient tag, kind of like a, like it would be deer hunting. You have to have property to do it on. You have to get the trapper's license. Um, that's kind of a small community of trappers. It's not, nowhere's on the level of, uh, it's not like going to get a fishing license or something like that. But, um, yeah, dude sitting there with literally a, a trailer full of garbage bags full of Nutri-Rat tails. And he just records everything to go and turn it all in and send you a check in the mail. Oh, you don't get your beer money that day? Not that day. Oh, I no. bet you that drives y'all crazy. Well, that's about like everything else, right? They, you work the first <laughs> week for free and you get paid on the second week. Yeah. And then when you quit, you still got one more check coming. One so, more check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so deer hunting in, I, I, when I think of Louisiana, I think of water. I think of swamps. Right. I think of I think of the old Duckman video with Coco and Phil and, the you know, the original Duckman video. Mm-hmm. 
But Louisiana is known for for I get it. They got they got co- the intercoastal fishing, they got interior fishing, and they have offshore fishing. And when you start mixing the outdoor lifestyle there, I you know I've been talking with Brett Cannon in Florida. There is a lot of outdoor lifestyle in the state of Louisiana opportunity there in, in Louisiana. Do you do you think that <clears throat> it would con- it would be considered a destination right now, like Florida is? Is is are people from out of the country looking to go to Louisiana to hunt? Are they looking to go duck hunting there? Are they looking to go fishing there? Are they and and, and do you see an influx in tourism? Does the state see that that people are going there, or is it mainly a local thing that supports the fishing economy? No, I think ever since that, uh, I mean, from my perspective, ever since the BP Horizon oil spill. It's definitely changed, but um, it's tourism, tourism is a huge part of it, and it's mostly for the fishing. Uh, we have partners, Bow Fishing Unlimited. Uh, they do charters out of, uh, I think, around Port Sulphur or Sulphur, Louisiana, <clears throat> and they've got people coming from all over the place, and there's a whole bunch of charter captains that get people coming from all over the place to go and, and either bow fishing or go and fish offshore, maybe some inshore freshwater fishing, maybe some duck hunting type guiding, uh, with other people, but I don't know that there's too many uh, deer hunting properties that would draw people from out of state to come in. Yeah, there might be a guy that drives in from Arkansas or Mississippi or if something. If they just like don't have a place to hunt wherever they're at. But uh, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're as well known for uh, deer hunting. I think duck hunting and fishing's going to be it. I would. That's what I would say. That was my point. Is when I think of Louisiana, I think of the water. I don't think a big giant deer that would bring somebody there. But it might. It, it, but duck hunting. I know, like working with Drew and the guys at Honey Break. I know they get a lot of out of state guys that come up and book hunts at Honey Break. Right. Um, you know, we have several partners in that state that I've worked with in the past. You know, Duck Commander and Mojo are in, in Monroe. Right. And I got friends in both of those companies. And then obviously your company's there. Then the Honey Break company. And then through the hunting and fishing industry, I've met several you know, outfitters and people that live the lifestyle down in Louisiana. And that's, I love the, I just love the, I told Brett, I love the South Florida lifestyle and the Louisiana lifestyle is unbelievable too. Mm-hmm. I've been to like all over where, you know, in, in different places, Lafayette or Baton Rouge or New Orleans, um, all the way down to like Biloxi, Mississippi, and been to the crawfish boils and, and different mm-hmm. cookouts. And y'all just do it on a different level, a tailgate party, at an LSU football game is different than an L, uh, a tailgate party at a USC football game in, in Southern California, Los Angeles. You you guys throw down. You take your partying, your your uh, your family, your socializing. You take the the camaraderie and all of the the food very very serious in Louisiana. And I've seen it. I've seen Cajuns that will travel from Louisiana to Northern Alberta, Canada, Saskatchewan, North Dakota. They've come to Kansas with us, all over Nebraska, and they'll bring coolers full of the foods that are native and known from Louisiana. And I'm just like, and it's just like what you did yesterday. When you came here with this cooler I'm looking at right now, we <laughs> open it up and there's what in there? It's uh, some Buddha and turkey cheese from Bourgeois Meat Market. Bourgeois Meat Market, which, right. which is a family friend of yours in what part of Louisiana? Yeah, they're in Thibodeau, too. They're in Thibodeau. Shriver, Just yeah. saying Thibodeau is cool. Like, Thib- where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Thibodeau. I'm Brian McGeehee from Thibodeau, Louisiana. <laughs> and that just yeah. sounds cool. It just rolls off your tongue. And, and Bourgeois Meat Market, we ate some of this boudin yesterday. Boudin is like a, it's got a, uh, a casing around it like a sausage would. You can sometimes eat that casing depending on how you prepare your boudin. There's a lot of mm-hmm. different ways to do it. You can use it as, it really is just like a, a rice stuffing, right? Right, basically. And it's usually cut with pork meat? It depends on where you get it. I mean, it, it, people down there try it with everything. <laughs> and, and, but what, like, so you can grind up and process different meats 
um, hopefully not Nutria, but stuff like. Uh, right. But you could do. Have you ever had like a seafood boot in? Do they do shrimps they, in them yes. or crawfish or anything? Yeah, the bourgeois. I think this year started doing a shrimp boot in. If I'm not mistaken. Well, I bet you that's good. Yeah. I haven't got to try it yet. What is this one that we ate? This is pork. Yes. And then we had. I love boudin. I'm addicted to it. I like it. Like, I've stuffed turduckins with it. I've you you can use it with you know just crackers. Right. You can put it in a little frying pan and, and hit it both sides and just get it a little bit lukewarm. You can put it on a grill and get mm-hmm. it a little bit smoky. You can also get a little bit of a crust on that casing to where it cuts a little bit more like sausage. But boudin, really, if you could picture like this casing, like a like a like a birthday cake icing tube, is kind of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. You could squeeze it out of that casing, and then it's just like this stuffing that sits there. And really, I don't know of it being anywhere else in the country, right? It's a Louisiana deal. Is it in it's, Texas? It, it's starting to move out for sure. Is it but, really? Uh, yeah, like uh, the HEBs in Texas. When I was living in uh, Houston the last couple of years, HEB has some of it. And some of the, it's mostly Louisiana brands that's expanding, I think. Boudin. Boudin. B O U D I N? Yeah. Boudin. 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 That's what you call it? <laughs> Boudin. If you want to put some emphasis on it. Boudin. And then the other thing in the core was turkey cheese. Yep. And you say that this is comes off of. Another delicacy in Louisiana, which is called goat head cheese, right? Hog head, hog head cheese. Yeah. And head cheese is, is it really? I don't even want to think about it. You don't like eating <laughs> head, uh, no, hog head I'm cheese? No, I'm not a typical coon ass. I won't just eat whatever somebody puts in front of me. I'm so not you don't you know, eat the stereotypical guy. What about no. like pickles, pig's feet? You I, no. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, there's hundreds of pounds of meat on a pig that's perfectly fine to eat. I don't want to gnaw on, on its foot or its lips or its ear. Well, or nothing I don't else. know no. now. Come on. No. And we talked about this the other day too with the cow. You, we, nope. you know, they eat the tongue. No. You never had cow tongue? We're talking about a thousand pound animal that's cow full tongue, of good stuff. Cow, Why would I want to eat anything? A tongue is good. No. I'm telling you, if I cooked you cow tongue, beef tongue, you would go, wow. If I, if you told me it was beef tongue, I wouldn't eat it. Well, that's, of course you wouldn't. But that's the point <laughs> is that, yeah, it's awesome when you eat it. The stomach lining of a cow, the trepe, the tripe. Nope. The sweetbreads, which nope. is the glands in the cow's throat, the adrenal nope. glands in the cow's throat, or the thymus <clears throat> gland. I can't remember which one it is. I think thymus gland. Anyway, the, you you have. Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, you guys use. You guys eat a lot of cool foods down there, and I really. Mm-hmm. I like that part of the lifestyle in Louisiana. Like, I don't. You you talk about the gumbos and the a two phase and anything that has to do with the crawfish broil and the in the seafoods. The when you talk about Louisiana fish, I think about redfish speckled trout right. there's the offshore you know there's a lot of tuna that's caught right off the coast out mm-hmm. you know my buddy lance walker's got a guide service there called fish commander guide service and they they do very well i'm sure you have lots of outfitters that are down that way right but seafood is the number one go-to for me when i'm in that part of the country and then then i will go to like a gumbo that's but most of the gumbos i eat are a lot of seafood in them too right and a crawfish boil People are like, man, that's a lot of work. That's a little tiny bitty piece of meat. And you guys really, Cajuns again, or coon asses, they've <laughs> taught the world how to really eat it. I mean, the Europeans do it. You know, they, you know, suck in the head and, mm-hmm. and taking the tail meat out. The claws really don't have a whole lot to offer. But <clears throat> a crawfish boil could be, you know, Mr. Terry Demon, who owns Mojo, does one every year for his engineering company in Mojo. They'll do 5,500, 6,000 pounds in this in this cook deal wow. the same guy that's supplying their their crawfish at that deal is also do also doing the county fair the same time so terry's dinner is on a thursday his or his crawfish boil and then on friday they start at the fair and they do anywhere from 60 to eighty five thousand pounds of crawfish at that fair up that's there by unreal. monroe 
And, and I'm just like, oh, and they, the way they do it and the way they do their boils and their, all their seasonings and their fires and, and how they, it's, it's amazing process, but it is, it's a lot of work mm-hmm. to get a big thing of, of crawfish and sit down and you guys do it with just like precision, like rip the tail, suck the head from <laughs> And I'm like, I know people that suck the head on every one of them. I'm like, why do you do that? And it's that flavor. And I'm like, yeah, but that flavor will stick. And it really, what it is, is just what is it? It's just fat, right? That you're yeah. sucking out of that and thing. And the seasoning gets and in the there. And the seasoning gets yeah. in there. And it's good. Yeah. But I can't do it on everyone. Do you do it on everyone? No. How many? Not not very many. Crawfish to me, man, I in growing up we ate a lot of crawfish, a lot of seafood. A lot of whatever we uh what we ate was whatever we caught or grew for a while. So I got kind of burned out on seafood and fish. So I kinda of went on a uh I don't want to say anti seafood binge. But if I had any other child, I would eat a ham sandwich before I eat crawfish. Really? Yeah. Like this is like I just got burned so, out on it. So far out of what I thought I would hear. Like you're the only Cajun I've ever heard right. that says that <laughs> you got burned out on crawfish. I got burned out on seafood and fish in general. Man, we <clears throat> ate it every day for a long time. All seafood. You don't you don't even like to think about crab or no. sushi or and all that stuff to me, man, is <clears throat> is more of a it's more of just a social gathering type deal it's not like we're we're not eating crawfish for a meal to get full because we just can't wait to stuff ourselves on them it's more of a getting people together and hanging out and maybe drinking some beer and just it's more of a hangout thing because at a crawfish boil <clears throat> there's a lot of other food that's included in a boil you're usually yeah. going to have correct me if i'm wrong but what i've seen i've seen everything from the crawfish mm-hmm. corn on the cob mm-hmm. sausage little red potatoes yep artichokes yep garlic onions you have all of that in there to where you can go through the line and get you some of the fish but you also could get some of the sausage and like the artichoke or the corn that's where a lot of that seasoning will get in there and hide and those things will light you on fire but it's got a lot of good flavor if the guy knows what he's doing with the boil i just it surprises me to hear that but it it does make sense because you know as far as like a cajun family down there saying hey we're gonna eat crawfish for dinner tonight and you it's one it's a mess it's a big process it's a big process and and it leaves a big mess yeah you know and then and then you don't get a whole lot of food out of it unless you have something accompanying it which well yeah we'll boil and and peel a lot of tails and save the tails cook stuff with that or save the claws and maybe make a gumbo with the claws with it but to just sit there and binge eat on it and try to get full so I would you, rather the other stuff like you were talking about. Um, my buddy Marshall at ABC Food, he he does tamales, and put them in a little sack, throw them in there. The tamales soak up seasoning. I hurt myself on those. I'll leave the crawfish alone, or we'll put a whole head of uh, cauliflower in it, and then I have to take that out, slice it up, or a can of green beans, poke a hole on both sides of it, let the juices get in there. Green beans are real good. I'll hurt myself on that stuff. Leave the crawfish alone. So you're Maybe not just put, peel something. You're not put, you're not stuffing the tamales with crawfish. They got no. other meat in them. Yep. And then you're just putting them in the boil. Correct. To get to get the flavoring. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. That's really good. It's either just regular tamales or uh, deer tamales. Whatever. We bring them some deer meat. They make some deer tamales. And uh, man. <laughs> so do you? Will you eat a? Will you eat a gumbo with, with a. Uh, with crawfish base yeah. in it or shrimp base so you'll eat a crawfish and like you don't hate seafood no I, i'll eat seafood and, and fish and all that stuff um i've been eating a lot more of it lately i feel like that uh i kind of come around <laughs> i'm not just a ham sandwich and steak guy anymore i've been eating a little bit of everything but um i've never hated it i just got burned out had to take a little break so when you start talking about a gumbo Mm-hmm. What are the main what are the main Cajun foods? Like if you if you if a guy says, Hey, I want to go to a Cajun restaurant or a Louisiana based mm-hmm. restaurant, a local place, 
besides blackened fish, which is popular down there, mm-hmm. and it, when you start talking about the, the soups and stuff, like a gumbo base, what are the main things? Is it gumbo and etouffee, or is there other ones? It, I think it also depends on what part of Louisiana you're in. I mean, it, it, kind of saying Louisiana as a whole isn't necessarily the same, because South Louisiana isn't the same as North Louisiana, or the, the east side closer to Mississippi isn't necessarily the same as the west side closer to Texas. But, uh, yeah, gumbos and etouffee, both of them pretty popular. Everything starts with the same things, and that's uh, onions, bell peppers, and celery. But what, is there, are there anything else? What, am I missing something that's popular for that region? I, I understand Cajun country versus mm-hmm. North Louisiana and east versus west, but am I missing anything, like, as far as, is, is it gumbo? It's everything with rice and gravy. Okay, so, like, red and beans and rice yes. comes from Louisiana. Yeah. You got gumbo, you got etouffee. What is etouffee? Don't get me to line. I just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, so then with gumbo, the main thing with gumbo, like, is the start of it, which is the roux, R-O-U-X. Mm-hmm. You got your good roux, you the know. Roux. You got the roux. And, and, and Not from a can. Yes, and when people, when it's almost like me with pasta. Like, when I see somebody trying to eat pasta out of a jar, you know, sauce. I'm not saying that. You know, a lot of people have a misconception that if something goes to a can, that it automatically isn't authentic anymore. It isn't good, right, but it is right. mass produced, and you don't know if people are seeing it with my sauces or gravies. You know, I'm standing over them and I'm making, but I'm not jarring them and selling them to millions of people right, either. Right, right. With a roux, it's kind of the same thing. I know you can get starter bases and starter cans, mm-hmm. but I've watched Cajuns literally have a cold beer in their hand and stand over a pot for hours oh they take it serious they take it serious and they're yeah. stirring it and they're adding <laughs> the texture to it and they're just you know yeah. they're just and, and it when it's all done you're like man that doesn't look good like a roux doesn't really look good <laughs> no it's, it doesn't it just looks like brown water and you're just and then they start getting the the you know they these guys were cutting legs off a can of geese and, and browning them and then putting them in their roux. And then they were taking duck duck breasts and getting chunks of that in there. Then they had some seafood in there. I've had all kinds of different wild game gumbos. To me, gumbo over rice or like a seafood etouffee or mm-hmm. a crawfish etouffee, it's in, 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 you know, a lot of things in, ca- in Cajun country, you guys don't really watch the health aspect of it, Not right? There's there's a lot of butter, <laughs> there's a lot of oils, there's there's a lot of fats that are used, which makes the food taste unbelievable in Louisiana. Right. So if you're going to tell yourself, I'm going to go to Louisiana and I'm going to enjoy it, or I'm going to go to a hunting camp in Louisiana, or I'm going to go to a hunting camp where there's going to be Cajuns, you got to be prepared that you're you know you're going to want to have an, an exercise program going in and coming out of the deal because right. it's heavy. It is, and, but you don't want to miss it, and that's the thing about this lifestyle is that. You, you got to do the best you can not to overdo anything because it's always readily available. When you get to a hunting <laughs> camp, you're going to have food that's ready f- to eat that's probably not deemed healthy or on one of these keto diets or whatever the, the people are coming it's, up it's with. It's not now. a meal, pre- meal prepping friendly. Yeah, it's not meal <laughs> prepping Brett Cannon friendly, right? <laughs> I wasn't so, going to go there, but yeah. yeah that's, that's but, right. but Brett will eat it. I've seen Brett. Brett will try it, and he, but he's disciplined. It's, right. it, I try to be as disciplined as I can, but I'll be damned if I'm not going to go to your place right. and eat the local fare or go to Arkansas and eat Mr. Billy's Biscuits and Gravy. Maybe one time I might just have one, though. And I mm-hmm. might take one biscuit and put a little bit of sausage and that grape jelly on it because that's where it's known in the South. Mm-hmm. We don't do that out here. You, when I do that out here, people are like, what? You're, what are you doing? 
it's custom in Arkansas. When you go through a drive through and get a biscuit, they get a grape jelly with it and, and sausage. And that's, that's what they do. Mix, mixing those salts with those sweeteners. It just mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. Um, but people out here, it, uh, the culture and the food out here where we're at in the Western part of the United States, it's a lot different. Your guys's food is, I think that the Southern United States has got to be known as the most, what, what's a good way to say it? Your food is probably put you guys on the map or you guys have put food on the map more than anywhere in the country. Not to say Boston doesn't have awesome seafood, but you don't go to, you don't hear of Washington, Washington. You probably hear seafood. You got the coast there, but you don't hear like Montana is known for this, except you can get a big ribeye, right? Right. You can go to North Dakota. What are they known for? You might get a Buffalo steak or, and, and I might be wrong on all this stuff in that part of the country, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're known for their fish fries on Friday night. You'll go and get a walleye fish fry. It's delicious. Mm Um, the uh, cheese curds cheese curds so there is there's like there's food known in different parts of the country but in the south in louisiana through parts of mississippi through parts of arkansas over into even georgia and alabama you know over that area it it gets known for its food it's just a regional thing down there to where food is very important yeah and i the 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 roux the gumbo it, it really surprises me to hear that you really don't know how or don't really care to master that art almost every cajun i've met it i've been super fortunate that my dad is that stereotypical coon ass with the beer standing over the fire cooking the roux he's an unbelievable cook cooks everything you can think of so i've been fortunate to just have to show up and eat but now that i have my own family kind of branching out i have i've been taking it up a little bit more but i also live in a camper full time so i have to be selective on uh what battles i'm gonna try to tackle at the time because you're building a house or what I've got some property in Mississippi, uh, travel around full-time still in the oil field. So it's uh, been camper life for almost 10 years or so. Really? And it's really, hey, you cook a roux in a camper, man, and everything is oily and smells like that for yeah, like a week. you can't do that. No. You can't do that. Right. So I'm, and then I try to cook outside sometimes, you know, cook some of this stuff outside on a little fire. And if the weather's cooperating or I just don't feel like cleaning it up, it's so much easier just to light the grill and cook something quick. But I've, I've been trying to... Uh, but I mean, the, but the, but that. but as you get into this, into the the family and the the businesses more, you're obviously you're going to build a house on this place, and right. then that's when you're going to be able to branch out. It's cool that you've been disciplined that long. <clears throat> you've been married for how long? Oh, you should have asked me that. Oh, God, she listened to this. <laughs> uh, going on eight years. Going on eight years. Eight it's years, probably yeah. wrong. It's probably nine years. Somewhere, give well, or take, plus or minus. And she's from Mississippi. She is. And that's where y'all are going to settle down. That's tough to say. I don't know. As it just doesn't as, sound very coonish to say that you'll be happy living in Mississippi. No, I love it out there. I love Mississippi. It's uh, We have a very beautiful piece of property. Land is reasonable there. Louisiana land is unreasonable. It's, it's crazy how expensive it is. Um, I love it in Mississippi. It's not a far drive. But I think with the business growing the way it is, uh, we're looking at other options, maybe moving to a Houston or maybe closer to Memphis or somewhere around a, a better shipping hub with better options for warehousing. So you're thinking about leaving Louisiana and going west to Houston or going a little bit north north to Memphis. Mm-hmm. You're you're dead set on this? Like you've already made up your mind? You're willing to leave the country that you grew up in? Like you, you're- I'll leave wherever, man. I've, I've left 10 years ago. Lived in hotels for two years and uh, camper ever since then. So, I mean, I traveled around with baseball a long time before that. So I'm, I'm, I'll always be home, you know, and I'll, I'll always uh, go back. And that's where my family's at, but I'm not – I'm not one of those guys that's scared to leave. I'll do what I have to do to be successful or whatever whatever makes sense for my family. So you say that your main t- your main source of income is working on 
the oil fields, working in the oil fields. Your Correct. brother does it as well. You guys have big time contracts and big time positions with these companies. <clears throat> That's something that would be you leave for how long at a time from your family? So I went for a six month job in Pennsylvania. Um, had to be about 10 years ago. And I come home for a week for Christmas sometimes. Uh, maybe I'll have the first week alligator season off where I can come home and help Mitch and my dad. Other than that, I mean, if I'm laid off for a, a month or two between jobs, that's, that's the only time I'm home. Does your wife come to see you with the kids? Yeah, she travels with me. She does. She leaves with you. Yeah. Oh, so that's that's not bad. Then. She comes with me, and then uh, it's it's just a, a system we've worked out. You know, she gets mad at me, and she'll go home, and then she'll start to miss me and come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many states have you worked in on a on an oil, in the uh, oil field? Oh man, I've been uh, from Texas up to Minnesota, and everywhere is east. Almost every state. Pretty much, yeah. Virginia. Yes. West Virginia. Yes. Maryland. Yes. Really. Yes. Delaware. Delaware. I know I went through Delaware. You went through Delaware. Yeah. But Pennsylvania you have. A lot in Pennsylvania. Massachusetts. Yes. New York. I actually went and get some, uh, uh, did some radiation work, got some cameras recharged and stuff in Boston at the most un... It, it, when you think about going to get some radioactive material, you know, like pinky in the brain type stuff, you don't think that this building, not marked, just regular brick look in a neighborhood like this, you know? And I pull up there and knock on the back door and give him cameras he don't ask my name or or nothing and then calls me like two hours later hey your cameras are ready it's but i'll never expect that to be in boston really yeah where would you expect it to be south louisiana no in the middle of nowhere is in the freaking <laughs> woods or something you know like this is dangerous stuff they're doing in there man it's radioactive material and oh they're, yeah they're that, charging cameras up for you to go out and x-ray stuff yeah that dude's so got extra toes and stuff probably right <laughs> So you've been yeah. all over. You've been all over the East Coast. You've been all over, up, like you said, in the Midwest, and and then yep. over to the East. Where have you picked a place? Is there anywhere up that in that part of the country that you would that you would like to stay? Visit Man, again? I love Pennsylvania. Really? Yes. If I wasn't married, or if my wife wasn't, uh, if she wasn't so close with her family and wanting to stay pretty close to down south, I think I would have some property up there. Everybody tells me I need to go visit Colorado and, and come out this way, which I mean, this is my first time this in this direction of the country and it's beautiful but uh i just i love pennsylvania and even in tennessee it actually has four seasons and it's actually you know you get a little bit of snow you get the the foliage changing in the fall and the mountains the waterfalls the, i mean it's just i love it up there they um <clears throat> are known for a couple they, they got good deer hunting awesome yep. turkey hunting yeah some good canada goose hunting not really known for their duck hunt, but you can get after them there. But I love Pennsylvania too. My mom's from right across the border in Ohio, and we I've visited Pennsylvania quite a few times, all over the Pittsburgh area mainly, mm-hmm. and then into Harrisburg. But yeah, I like Pennsylvania as well. And <clears throat> I just I just have it in my mind that when I go to the South, I, I'm pretty envious of the people down there. I just love the South. Mm-hmm. It's good atmosphere. It's like what you said, cool, nice people. Which everybody's got their issues, but every, it's just a it's just a cool vibe down there that I get. And I love the food. I love the social, the socialism down there, not the socialism, but the, you know, socializing and the camaraderie and all that. It's a, it's just a cool place for me to be. And so your, your goal right now is to get out of the oil fields with what we're getting ready to talk about. Is that what you're moving towards? Is that what your brother's moving uh, towards? That would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, that means that we're successful, right? The business is growing and uh, the company can, do our, we can do the company full-time instead of uh, traveling full-time and being away from the family, working in the oil field on that side. I, Isn't I the money so that. good, though? 
that's what's hard to leave. I'm spoiled. I'll, I will be ruined forever on time, travel, and money. Right. I'll never, I'll never be back to that. It's not weird for me to have to drive an hour to go to Walmart because we lived in some really, really desolate places in Pennsylvania. Or it's not weird to say, hey, uh, what are you doing for lunch tomorrow? Nothing. Okay, well, I'll drive from Hattiesburg down to Thibodeau and go eat lunch at my parents' house or just go for a day or so. My wife packed up all three kids, and uh, whenever I flew out here, she packed all the stuff and went over to Mississippi. It's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive. A lot of people stress out about that kind of stuff. My dad's one of them. He, he hates traveling. He hates driving. If you got to get outside of your little comfort zone, a lot of people freak out about it. But travel for me is I'll never be the same, and uh, money I'll definitely never be the same. You don't think so? Definitely not. So then why can't you keep you doing both? <laughs> it's a struggle. I mean, I, I'll try to do both as long as I can. But um, in the position that I'm in, I really need to dedicate most of my time to the project. And I've been fortunate for the last couple of years to have jobs where i um, got some downside, downtime in between so I can spend a lot of time focusing on Gator as well. But... Um, Waking up, you know, four o'clock in the morning to get ready for the workday, and then getting off five, six, seven, eight o'clock in the afternoon, going home, still being a husband, still being a father to three kids, still having a life to to live, but also having to stay up till two o'clock in the morning some mornings. You know, it's I miss sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I mean to do what you're doing. You're thirty years old, and you have three kids and a wife. Are you are you planning on more kids? Yeah. I think uh, once we get out the camper. <laughs> really? Yeah. We want to have as many as we can afford. Damn it, boy. Yeah. You just don't want any time for yourselves. You want to be <laughs> just wrapped up in this. Until... Yeah, I just feel like we'd be good parents, you know, yeah. raise, raise good citizens. We need to counteract the uh, not, not good ones. <laughs> the not good yeah. ones. I like how you kind of rephrase yeah. that. Again. <laughs> you always want to be careful when you talk about parenting. And like, yeah. I talked about it with a police officer the other day. Is like, who is who is the right person a parent and who is who am i to say that there isn't some, that somebody's not fit to be a parent and, but the bottom line is is that it's true that, right I, mean, I hate to say it but man there's just there's instances some people out aren't there. out for it i mean yeah. it's just not built for it not built for it at all yep did you enjoy what we did last night it was unreal i'm not used to this kind of stuff man Y'all, you spoiled me on my first time out here now i'm going to expect the whole second line band every time i come <laughs> the whole the what <laughs> the band man the marching it, band yeah. So, like, you were right at home. Last night, they did a grand opening at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. My yep. buddies have some resorts here, the Corona family. They were gracious enough to host us, host you guys for your rooms. Is, mm-hmm. it, is it a nice room? It is the best room I've ever been in. It's amazing. It, I, I, I feel like I'm not supposed Like, somebody is going to come knock on the door and be like, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. That's, when, I, when I saw the room number that they gave you, I'm like, oh, dang it. I've never even got that room. That's a, <laughs> that's a slick room. But, it is awesome. But um, that steak we had last night. Oh, it was great. Insane, huh? The fillets yeah. and then a couple of them. You know, last the night was actually the first time that I tried seared tuna. I've never been a seared tuna person, and I feel like I've been cheating myself for that a while. That was the now. bomb, wasn't it? It was great. Oh, it's it was. so good. So good. They um, Even they, had, uh, the spinach? Green spin- spinach, yeah, yeah, that was good, too. The asparagus was great. The asparagus was great. But I had the fillet, and then a couple of the guys got the bone-in ribeye. Yeah, Brett did and Clay did. Yeah. The cowboy. Yeah. And dude, it, both I had a of bite them of those too. It was great, amazing. It kind of makes you wonder, like, what are you doing wrong? <laughs> like, I, I've never, I've cooked a lot of steaks, man. It's never been anywhere remotely close to that. And there's another example, like, well, that's you know, everybody brags on how good their steaks are in the backyard, and then this lady Ruth has this, <laughs> you know, you read the story up on it's pretty cool. I think right. it's Louisiana-based company yeah, actually, New Orleans, New yeah. Orleans, and 
And, you know, the way she built that brand and everybody, and the, you can't get a better steak. I'm not saying you can't because obviously right, somebody's right, going right. to write in and say, you're crazy, try <laughs> Sullivan, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, great. that was strong. Yeah, it's very good. And then after that, we went and saw a little bit of a, do you remember his name? <laughs> Rodney Carrington. He's awesome. Man, he's, he's, <clears throat> when we first got this camp in uh, South Louisiana, I bought my, a plaque for it, and it was the perfect plaque camp or camp plaque. And uh, press the button, and it's got one of his songs and some some dancing figures there. Yeah, man, it, it's been like the theme for our camp. And to, to meet him in person, and I listened to his stuff a long time. That was really awesome He's to cool, actually meet him. Cool yeah. to shake his hand. And say, yeah. well, I just said thank you for all. I mean, he he makes me belly laugh, man. He all yeah. fall out of my chair. Oh, that was awesome. And I've been seeing Rodney for like I don't know 10, 12 years now. I'd say, but he he he's witty and clever his delivery is smart mm -hmm. he's the stuff he says just makes you go you did not right <laughs> you did not just say that right? right i mean he was saying stuff like that i'm like and i was rolling and just kept laughing then he gets the guitar and sings those songs that's and he my writes favorite it, part man. and he sounds good yeah he does the piano sounds does. good and yeah. it's just his piano player is impressive too yeah he sings he's just awesome and but yeah that's a great night and that's what that's what this lifestyle deal and i tell everybody like why do we get to experience things like that and it's it's a lot of humility and we're humbled to do it but to be able to go into you know into a situation like that and hang with rodney say hi to him talk with him and then have that kind of a dinner and that kind right. of a show and those seats it's all because of the the outdoor lifestyle and having that in common with people that share that same passion and love and we do we get to do a lot of work and a lot of opportunities and a lot of doors open because of that and i think that a lot of people think that it's just a uh you know you you're, you're coddled or you're or, or it's it's something to where you're spoiled and you, it's not i mean you could look at it that way but that that's an opportunity that was that was uh, we were allotted to because of just a common bond in the outdoors and those guys that individual and that family respecting what we do and us being in love with what they do and us have we have a long history with them mm -hmm. but those opportunities you can't pass that kind of thing up it's, right. it's hard to say no to that and it seems like we're always doing that kind of thing in this lifestyle and you are too you're like you're coming you're starting <laughs> to see like hey man these opportunities are here and it's the the, the secret is knowing how to say no to some of them and not, and and being good in your mind of man man what am i missing right <laughs> if i go to sleep now what's going to happen and when you're building a brand and we're getting into this brand building thing now when you're building a brand that's the worst feeling in the world you want to lay your head down and go to sleep at nine or ten because you know the next day is going to be just as busy right and you got to be fresh you got to be on your toes you got to be innovative you got to be witty and clever you got to be thinking outside the box you got to have good leadership skills and communication skills and you got to be able to 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 get people to believe in what you're doing you got to be a good salesman a good negotiator whatever you're trying to do you got to have good brain waves and good intelligence levels and 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 lack of sleep though <laughs> is known in the entrepreneurial world and especially in the startup part of it Right. And you can't, you look at it, there's a lot of things in the world that you get less sleep at. I'm not saying that we're sitting here like we're fighting for our freedom overseas. And I know what those guys go <laughs> right. through, right. not from experience, but from hearing their stories. Building a brand is what you and your brother are setting out to do right now. Right. And you, you see those opportunities that we had last night. If I pass up an opportunity like that, I feel like I missed an opportunity to elevate the brand introduce the brand to somebody a door might open that might take a brand to the next level so my, my i'm telling you for me it's really hard to say no to that type of a deal and it's non-stop like that well that's how i felt when you called me about the jamie johnson's deal in alabama 
And, man, I, it killed me to not be able to go, bug the crap out of me. But there was no way that I could cancel what I had going and having work and all that stuff, too. It was just a little bit last month, last minute for me. But that's exactly how I felt not going to that. And then seeing your stories and seeing you on the bus with them and uh, everybody singing, and <laughs> it, it took a little bit out of me. Yeah, I did invite you to that deal. Yeah. How'd you miss that one? Dude. <laughs> huh? Uh, it, I wish that uh, I could just do like you and kind of drop everything and take off last minute, but I can't operate like that right now. Not yet. I didn't drop everything I was doing. Oh, come on. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I had... Oh, so you're telling me you had a month to plan and you told me last minute. Yeah, that would be more like it. Okay. But that, I didn't have a... Yeah, I probably... I don't know if I had a month to plan, but I knew about it well in advance. Right, and, right. and I was like, there's, there was a, so many other things going on that weekend. I didn't know if I was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and then this deal came up in Memphis with, with the St. Jude's and the Ronald McDonald house. And I said, I'm going, we'll go to Memphis. We'll get in the car. We'll drive to Montgomery from there. And boom, we're, you know, and then you get there and you're like, look at the doors that are opening here. Right. Look at what's going on. Right. I met your, your Syracote guy down there. There was a ton of people down there that now, right. that's just my ideology on it. I think that if you're going to be in this game, it's hard to do it from a desk in Louisiana. It's hard to do it from a desk where I live. I had to go and I've spent the last 10 years nonstop traveling throughout the entire year. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to do it. I don't have any regrets, maybe a couple personal regrets, but I don't have any regrets in the way that I was away from, from home mm-hmm. because I couldn't do what I wanted to do with Bandit and the Foul Life and, and different brands that we've launched and different brands that we work with, such as yours now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the Benelli's and the Federals and the Mojo's and the Realtree's and the Traeger's, and there's just so many out there. We work with Southern-based companies like another one in Louisiana, Bosch Drives, and one in Arkansas, Edge Boats. And we you can't do it from your desk. you got to be out and inviting people around you and being around people and trade shows and consumer shows and camps. And all of this different thing is how people go, man, that brand's out there. They're pushing it. Right. And that's why when you said, do I want to do this full-time or why couldn't I just keep doing the oil field thing, man? I can't. I'm not in a position to say, hey, um, I know you hired me to, to kind of oversee this project, but I'm going to go ahead and take off because I want to go on a turkey hunt or I want to go on a, a duck hunt with Chad Belding because it's going to be good for my brand. What brand? I hired you to do this inspection. What does that have to do with this project that I have going on? You know, It's hard for me to get out of work in that aspect. So yeah, that makes total sense. That's, that's, why I want it, that's why I want it to be full-time. Uh, Mitch and I both get invited to do a bunch of really cool stuff. And just the fact that, I could see Jamie Johnson in person. Like, I've been listening to his music forever. He's awesome. I love him. Huge fan. Even if it doesn't do anything for my brand, per se, just being able to meet him would have been cool. Yeah. So being able to do those kind of events is what we want to do and do more trade shows and get get out there more. That's that's what we need to do if we're going to grow bigger. We can't do it just from a <clears throat> social media posts or, a, you know, meeting people just from our little community. Be impossible. Yeah. Be impossible. Hey, everybody, this is Chad Belding with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. You can tell, or if you read the description, I am talking to my good buddy, Brian McGeehee from Thibodeau, Louisiana, the Cajun country. He is the co-founder 
of Gator Coolers, G-A-T-R. We are proud to be partnered up with them in a long-term contract. We're going to be working together for several years to come. And as far as a product line and what they're doing, I like their story. I love their their products, their designs. I feel that they're innovative. But in the end of the day, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of companies in this space that they understand that. I think you understand that, Brian, of they're, they've been doing roto-molded products for a long time. This There was roto-molded coolers before Yeti, as a matter of fact, if mm-hmm. you really do your due diligence in this. Now, then Yeti came along with an awesome marketing plan. And when people think of a cooler now, they say, do you got your Yeti? They've kind of got that place, right. that placement in there, which is strong. And then as right. an entrepreneur, you look at it and say, well, if I can be innovative and come out with a few products, and I'm asking you this, as if this is how you and your brother Mitch feel, is are you guys saying if we can just get a percentage of those sales every year on that stuff because a, a lot of people are buying these coolers they're buying these tumblers they're buying these thermoses now you got the soft-sided coolers the backpack coolers there's mm-hmm. yeti has been a been a very very innovative company bringing products to market and going to market with products and the um the first question i have for you and if you don't want to answer it, i completely understand but do you ever fear of being labeled as a copycat or somebody that's not original? And if, if somebody asks you that, why are you trying to build a cooler that's already popular out there? I look at it as I'm proud to represent the brand because mm-hmm. I don't want to just be another another one that has a, a, a cooler that everybody has. Right. But that I'm not the one that's got to be innovative with the product and the, and the product designs and how you guys plan to set yourself apart from that, which you guys are already doing. Mm -hmm. When you came up with this idea and you guys took the next steps forward with it, were you ever fearful of somebody close to you or, you know, outside of your, your personal circle of saying, y'all are just copying Yeti. Y'all are just doing a me too company. Has that ever gone through your mind? So I can answer that probably for 20 minutes, but the short version. We got time. (laughs) So we got that a lot. Actually, when we first started, it was all y'all just a copycat. You're just a, that's a knockoff. You know, if I took this cooler and built it cheaply and used cheap products, used cheap materials, and I put a Yeti sticker on it, that's a knockoff. This is a different brand. So, and I had this exact conversation with a guy that's actually in the Coast Guard uh, at a trade show, or one of our first trade shows. He came up, the first customer, so this set the tone for the whole weekend. Oh, phew, that's another cooler, man. That's a Yeti knockoff. And I'm like, okay, so I see you wearing a Nike shirt. Is that uh Hanes knockoff or is it a different brand you know what I mean like I, I can say that with anything in the country and I've been pointing this out to people and it's not I don't want to say I'm defensive but it it, it kind of pisses me off whenever you put so much of your time like dedicated the last couple of years of my life to it and ignored stuff that I shouldn't have ignored to build the brand to where it is now for people to just kind of brush it off as oh you're trying to copy I think copying would be easy if we wanted to copy but what do you do for a living? Oh, I work for Jack Links. Wow, there's a lot of people in that market. That's kind of, or did you knock off old boy beef jerky? You know what I mean? Like it, you can say that about everything. What do you got? What do you do for a living? Or I sell duck calls. Wow, that's a competitive, that's a real competitive market. What do you do for a living? I have a TV show. Wow, that's a competitive market. It's, oh, you must be a knockoff of Jim Shockey. You know what I mean? It could be across the board, everything in the country. There is, I can't think of one single thing where it's like, that's the only company that does it, and they're the only people you can get it from. Everything from freaking insurance to clothing to drinks at the gas station. Look at the 50 different energy drinks they have at the uh, 
gas station, any gas station you go to. So if I if we come out with a not that I'm planning on this, but just you know, go here with me. If we come out with an energy drink, am I copying Monster? It, oh. it, it, that's what frustrates me the most about it is saying that you're a knockoff, and it, that's the part that frustrates me. Because so I, I hit, I hit a nerve. I hit a nerve right there. Because it is uh, one of the yeah. most. It is one of the most probably speculated products in our space or in the outdoor space that people will look at it. In my opinion, mm-hmm. and think of it as a yeti. A knockoff. Yeti. No, it's a fact. It, it happens almost every yeah. day with every one of these cooler that's companies. A fact. And I love the I love your answer. I love the fact that you guys look at it that way. So tell me, like, is there innovation in the Gator line? So, like you said, we're not reinventing the wheel. I mean, it, it, it's still plastic. It's still um, insulation. It, there's no new technology in this cooler. But um, we've done a, a few different things that I think you know. I don't want to knock on Yeti. Obviously, they're a giant in this space, and you can't you can't knock on a giant like that. But we do offer more stuff on this cooler for a better price point and it just is what it is as far as ice retention I, I get that question all the time that is the two questions that we get one are you cheaper than yeti and two do you hold ice as long as yeti and the answer is yes and yes i mean it, it whenever you're think about it like this if this is supposed to be uh eighth of an inch thick plastic and it's going to hold ice for let's just say 24 hours we could shave it down a little bit make it a little bit less than an eighth, make it a little bit lighter, maybe two pounds lighter, and then people will say, oh, your coolers are lighter than Yeti. Like, that really makes a, a significant difference. Then you're not going to hold ice as long. Then they're going to bust you for not holding ice as long. You know what I mean? So we kind of went with a happy medium on that aspect, but we chose to add, like, the molded ruler on the lid, which is huge for us down south with all the fishing, uh, you know, making sure that you're legal there, um, bottle openers that are already attached on both sides, the uh, obviously the gator latch is is different which as goofy as that sounds that's been huge for us i, I can't tell you how many times at these trade shows we go to where um obviously coolers is a very competitive market there's tons of coolers there different companies surrounding us and it's almost like they put us in the same corner just to see if we'll start fighting i guess but uh we'll sell out of everything we bring and people around us are selling ones and twos but it's because people walk by us and they say, oh, Gator, oh, look at those latches. That is so cool. I got, And they, that makes me pretty happy about it, honestly, because we spent a lot of time on the design, getting all those little knobs and, and just putting detail into it and not just throwing up like a stick figure, basically. <clears throat> and you have, you have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of pride in the cooler because of the innovation. Tell me a little bit about... What was the, like the, the initial talks, the initial thoughts is like, we can make this better. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit. I want to know the history. So the, the dirty real, uh, back to the complete start was this, uh, I have four brothers were on a group text one day and Mitch, uh, was working offshore at the time, always on the computer looking about, you know, how can we make some more money? How can we do this? Uh, maybe get something to where we don't have to be on the road all the time and, uh, put us a little bit more time at home with the families. So he starts doing a little bit of research, contacts several different manufacturers, looks into stuff, and then sends us a group text. And he's like, uh, hey, I want to sell some coolers and, you know, maybe pay for a vacation that we had planned that year. And, uh, you know, we kind of took it as a joke. And it it wasn't – it never was going to be a company or never going to be something big like that. Actually, our, our first uh, – this is pretty funny, but our, our first 
name, I guess, and was going to be the cool-ass cooler, not coon-ass cooler. And the logo was going to be the raccoon with icicles hanging off of his butt. And I was like, dude, I, I can't do that, man. If, if, if I don't do anything half-assed in my life. So if we're going to do this, I'm going to push it. I can't market a raccoon with icicles on his butthole. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be something that is cool and, you know, it's not just like a, a gift, a gag gift that somebody's getting for, you know, somebody turning 40 or something like that. Right. But um, anyway, so <clears throat> we took it from there and then me and Mitch kind of talked and it's like, you know, why, why don't we just give it a shot? And uh, we had no idea. We're not, we're not business people. I tell everybody that Mitch is a dumb oil field worker and, and I'm a dumber oil field worker. So uh, we just been winging this whole thing. We had no idea of um, how to build a business, how to make a website, how to, it, we had no idea about any of this stuff. So it's, it's been a learning progress every single step of the way. You, so you don't have any experience in manufacturing? No. <laughs> so I worked at Target in high school, if that counts. Retail. Right. That's about it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that, That's the extent of it. I went from that to uh, college and then I started pipelining. So nothing to do with welding in this, nothing to do with inspection, nothing to do with x-ray. And that's, that's been my career. Mitch is the same way. He's been in oil field, went in for measurement tech, and now he works for uh, Shell. So neither one of us have any experience in uh, importing. Neither one of us have experience in manufacturing or design or really any of it. Which kind of, that's why it blows our minds of where we're at right now. So that, that's what's blowing my mind right now is that I still don't have a good, clear picture of how you took the leap to go into it. Because there's going to be a lot of responsibility that comes with a company that's growing this fast and a brand that's launching, that launched and now has the momentum that you're getting in the market space. And I know that your sales are already there. I know through conversation with you some of the plans that you have. But that the, the one thing that, that, that you always have to be keen to is that you're going to need more money to make money and grow and be it a part-time guy that's in the oil field full-time and part-time guy on a gator cooler with three kids and a wife at home and your brother with his family and his full-time job with shell how in the hell do you plan (laughs) what what made you say we're going to do this this was never supposed to be a a company and a brand dude i'm telling you we we were just going to buy a few and we were going to sell it to our buddies and we were going to hope to make 50 bucks a piece on them and pay for vacation that year and that was the that was the long and short of it and then it was like well we started looking into it and we figured out the issues with freight and how much that stuff costs um with sea freight and we say well you know what let's let's start off with three sizes i like these three sizes let's pick these cool well what colors you want to get well let's get this one color well i don't want to do one color because i kind of like this other color too so we picked three colors and then by the time you get finished negotiating minimums with the manufacturer and all that stuff, it goes from we think we're going to order a few container or a few uh, coolers that'll fit in a small trailer to, well, we, okay, it's a 20-foot container to, oh, my God, this is not going to fit. We have to order a 40-foot container. So we go from thinking we're going to, you know, I'm going to invest a small amount to almost 10 times what I thought I had to invest to begin with. And uh, it was it was pretty nerve-wracking, to be honest with you. Um, but... I had confidence that at the very least we would make our money back just because of the network I already had in the oil field and, and all the friends I have there. But then we got our first container in and it was like three weeks before our first trade show that I had booked. And I had to shut our website off because we were selling, selling out and I had nothing to bring to the trade show. So we had to make a decision. Do you shut the website off or do you just not go to the trade show? But I really wanted to go to see if it would pay off for us to go to more and kind of, you know, start our networking and, and meeting people. 
So <clears throat> we had a local company print us up a couple banners and threw up a sign and a couple flags, brought all the coolers that we had left and sold everything we brought. And then it was like, holy crap, we need some more coolers. Was that in Louisiana? Yeah, it was in New Orleans. So did you right away see like a, a an allegiance to you guys being a local company and having the... You know, and that's what we were worried about. I know where you're going with that. And, and we were nervous about that as... And this is the coolest thing is we both get notifications whenever somebody buys something off of our website. And when you hear that sound come through and you look at the order, and then I'm looking at it thinking in my mind, like, man, that name doesn't look familiar. And then Mitch texts me a screenshot of it. He's like, hey, do you know this person? I was like, no, never seen that name before. And then it's going somewhere to like uh, West Virginia or Virginia or something like that. And we were like, holy crap. Like this, we're, we're growing outside of our circle here. You know what I mean? And that, that was the coolest feeling in the world. And we actually, I won't say we didn't get a lot of support from uh, all of our local friends and, and just like the Terrebonne, Lafourche, Parish area. But we have had a ton of support from all over the country, like instantly, which was really cool to see. How did you get the name out there? How do you think? I have no it, idea. Ha- you got to have some kind of an idea. Dude, so my, I run all the social media stuff for us too. And I didn't want to have a website or um, Instagram or Facebook that was solely like glamour shots. You know what I mean? Like just taking a product in the studio and everything's perfect and everything's edited. I wanted to show the people using it. I wanted to show our customers. I wanted to give them, you get that good feeling. You know, a company shares your stuff and tags you in it and lets everybody see that, hey, I have their product, I'm using it, I'm enjoying it. And it gives them also that trust factor that we're not scamming people or we're not a, a joke product, you know what I mean? If, um, if I didn't know you and you bought one and you sent me a picture while you're using it and I shared it and tagged you in it, then your friends see, hey, he's using the product. I know him and I trust him. So obviously the product must not suck. And I think that's how we grew so fast, to be honest with you. Just really pushing on social media before uh, before the algorithms changed. But it also pays off that um, traveling over the last eight to ten years or so, I've, I've met a lot of people across the country and met a lot of people. That's, what, that's what's cool about the story is that when you have an idea like this, and you say, well, we're going to be able to sell a few of them. And then you have your contacts with a company like, you know, the, with some of these oil field companies. Right. And you can go to them and say, hey, we can do this. And you start to get that kind of support from a corporate level to where you can depend on that kind of an order, that kind of a PO being mm-hmm. cut every year. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about manufacturing, pre-booking and pre-sales and knowing what you're going to need for the year, that's the most important thing. Because right. if you're going overseas to manufacture, you have to have a game plan of how much you're going to invest in that, what your factories are going to need to, as a deposit, when, how long it's going to take them to have the goods on a container on the water coming over to the United States right. to, to where you can get it at a hub and, and start distributing it, whether it's through a distributorship or through your own, you know, you bring it in and do it yourself, which you are right now with your own warehouse, mm-hmm. which, you know, that might grow into something more. But as far as the pre-booking element of, of, of manufacturing goes, you have to have an idea of that. And that's another hard part to do is like, man, how can I forecast this? We got this much in guaranteed money with our <laughs> corporate accounts. We haven't really developed a dealer base yet because we're chasing our tails, trying to keep up with the demand so far. Now, what's the next step? Well, is it hiring an outside sales force to go out and sell this across the country? Is it hitting the road even more and trying to sell it ourselves? Is it putting more money invested into like social media ads and and, 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 and dealing with that? And you start to think, man, how can we get this brand to keep elevating itself? Because again, you got you have to keep reinventing yourself every year and saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We got to mm-hmm. add this to the product line, and that that is always a good start, in my opinion, is to be able to have the support of the, the corporate companies. And if you spent lots of years traveling and making contacts in that, 
that is an, an awesome way to start to, to build a foundation and a brand to help get to there. Because one, you get to start selling product. A, a cooler company might say, hey, we got a safety day every year and we're going to give this out for if we get 100 days of no injuries, we're going to give everybody on the crew a 20, a 20 quart. And yeah. boom, there's how well, how many people are on the crew? Well, there's about 800. And you're like, damn, that's 800 coolers. Right. That can happen like that. Right. That can happen like that. Any in, in in business when you're chasing that corporate those corporate accounts, or don't even need to chase them and have them. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ability, which is the next step as an entrepreneur of saying, man, I know all these people. They trusted in my brand. They believe in me. They watch me in my in my tenacity with this. I wonder if it's time to go after an investor. And that's the other part of this networking. And why when people ask me in business, like, well, how do you do what you do? Or how does, how does Brian do what he does with Gator? It's not about, and you've, you've, you've painted the picture perfect. It's not, you might not be a, a really badass welder or a roto molder and might not even be a badass designer. You just have the idea in your head and you think that you can create momentum and if you can go to the right team and get the right team behind you, then you can start seeing what's happening with the success of the Gator line of products right. and brand, right? Yep. So now you might be able to go to an individual that you met through this network. And what I'm saying with that, and I'm sure you'll agree with it, is that people always see the 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 big part of it. Well, yeah, they're selling coolers like crazy. They're everywhere. They they're don't rich. Yeah, they're rich, <laughs> right? And that's what I get a lot of it. Yeah. And they, and I, I just got a, I just got a, a message today. And I'm sure you get these all the time. But listen to this real quick. This message comes through, and and I'm telling you, like I could show you hundreds of these that come through, right? This one says, um, "No, don't make me a liar." It says, how's it going, Chad? Just want to say I'm a huge fan of yours and the whole Foul Life Banded crew, as well as This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. The reason for my message this morning is I was hoping to get a few pointers from you. So duck hunting is my life besides my wife and daughter, and I've been doing a lot of thinking and was wondering what it would take to get started in something like what you've got going. Now I know it's everyone's dream, but if you have any advice or pointers for me, that would be awesome, especially coming from you. Again, I'm a huge fan and thanks in advance and have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I get, I get, and I'm, and I know that you get the same thing, but I get message after message right. asking me, how do you get there? And, right. and, if, and I don't take it for granted because at one time in our lives or my life, at least I can't speak for you is I was that guy asking like, man, how do I blow a goose call? How do I blow a duck call? Will you teach me this? I don't want to turn my back. So I try to take the time to, and and I think they're looking for an answer like, well, kill as many ducks as you can, (laughs) get all these pictures of stacking them up. And then somebody's going to just take you under and say that, man, we got the best duck hunter in the world. We're going to build a brand with him. And that's not it. That's not it at all. It's, it's, it's the, the business part of this and the business savviness that goes into it is the networking, Mm -hmm. the vision, the tenacity. The, the, the ability to talk to somebody in their eyes and say, hey, I can deliver on this and then actually be able to go deliver. And what does it take to deliver? What are the deliverables? What are you contractually binded to? Do you go above and beyond that? Do you think outside the box? Like if I take on Gator as a partner, I am now an owner in Gator. I might not be on paper and I might never get a dividend check, but I'll be damned if I don't take ownership of the brands that we represent and say, we're part of that brand. We're flying that flag. Right. And there, people are going to assume by what we do and how much we do and the quality of what we put out that we are an owner in that brand. You got to be an owner. There's no right. way you would be doing all this work if you weren't. Right. And that's, that's the thing that I tell these people when I get these messages and these guys. And again, I don't take them for granted. I love every message that we get. But I think that everybody has this misconception, Brian, that you just 
become the best hunter in the world or the best fisherman in Louisiana, or you got a big inheritance from your dad and you're able to start a cooler company. And here we are sitting here talking to a guy in his thirties that has three kids and a wife and him and his brother working the oil fields full time. And you guys are showing it that it takes tenacity. It takes networking. It takes an idea. Nobody's ever going to go to you and say, Hey, I'm going to start a cooler company because I feel them full of fish every day. And not, and, and, and that's the thing is that you got, it's, 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 a, it's a touchy situation for me because these guys and these fans are wanting to know, how do you do it? Right. And, I, and I talked to Brett Cannon about this, who you met last night at the deal. He, I asked him, you get these kind of messages and how do you answer these kind of messages? And what are you supposed to tell these kind of messages? Because they're entrusting in you. And if you don't return the message, then you're an asshole. If yeah. you do return the message and you're generic with it, then you just feel like, well, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna treat this human being like this. They took the time out of their day to message me. Right. They really wanna know what, it, they, they, they respect what we're doing and they wanna know how we're doing it. And I kept telling Brett, I'm like, how do you answer the question? I can't even tell people what I do for a living. Brett has a hard time when I ask him, what do you do for a living? And then people come to you and they say, well, teach me how to do what you do for a living when I can't even tell anybody what I do for a living. Right. And that's the thing about being an entrepreneur is that it's a lot of it might be God given. I don't know. Some of it can be learned, but a lot of it has to do with being able to communicate, being able to talk, being able to get your brother to say, Hey, this is bigger than just one container of coolers for our buddies down there at the oil field. This is bigger than some LSU fans. Yep. You know, this could be bigger than this. It's about going and being able to talk to your wife about, hey, I might be away from home anymore, but this is what it's going to bring. And then you got to be able to build a customer base and then a manufacturing base and then a dealer base. And then it's just nonstop thinking outside the box. So if I wrote you that question and you got on your social media platform or info at gatorcoolers.com website, and you got on there and it said, hey man, big fan of the product line, love what you guys are doing, you guys are killing it with your brand, I wanna do what you guys do, can you give me some advice? Is it harder to answer that question than, than what, I'm, you know, like what I'm saying right now? I'm gonna tell you what's hard for me is uh, being in the oil field, if you've never worked in the oil field, you work typically with people that if you don't get on them and if you're not, pretty frank with them, they don't get it. So you can't say, hey, please do this, or I would like if that. No, it's you're going to do this, and I need it done by this time, or you can pack your stuff and go. So it, the hard part for me has been adjusting from uh, being in a leadership position there to now you know, being the voice behind this growing company and wanting – I try to answer every single thing that comes through, but, I mean, like you, you get a few hundred messages and you get busy with life and you can't sit on your phone all day, so – um, I end up missing some, but I try to answer all of them. We don't necessarily get any that's asking us, uh, like, how do you do that? Because your guys' deal is different than what we're doing. Um, yeah, you're growing a brand and all that stuff, but you're hunting and putting out stuff like that. Basically, we have a product and we're selling. But we do get the messages from the dumbasses that say, hey, I love what y'all are doing, and I would love to get in that game. Can I be your partner, or can you please send me your manufacturing information? I'd love to look into it. And I, I have that message on my phone from a couple of days ago. I actually posted it on my personal Facebook the other day. And, you know, I try to bite my tongue on most of it. But on that one, I'm like, man, are you, did you really just ask me? Why can't you help a brother out? Why help a brother you, out. Why can't you yeah. just send him, like, yeah, here's the information. Yeah, dude, here's what I did for the last two years. <laughs> right I, and, you know, operating on two, maybe three hours of sleep for the last two years. A night, you know, and, and putting in the work and learning all these really expensive, hard lessons. I'm not a consultant. 
<laughs> I'm not here to just tell a random stranger, hey, here's the tools to be as successful as we've been. Random stranger, you know, you're welcome. And, and I look forward to competing with you because that's the type of guy, and I love competition. I have no problem with other brands or anything like that. But that's the type of guy that'll come and set up right next to you and try to sell for five dollars cheaper and think he's doing something. You know right. what I mean? And we have those too. And it's, it's there. It doesn't work if you don't have it. If you don't. If that's your business model is to hey, I want to do what you are doing, except for maybe be a little bit cheaper. That's not going to work. You have to have the right mindset. You have to have the tenacity. You have to be looking ahead and uh, planning stuff out. You have to know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you have to at least fake it like you know what you're doing until, you know. Until you, you make actually, it. Exactly. Fake it till you make it. But most of the people that message us, I just, it burns me up with that. I hate those questions, to be honest with you. And, and that's where I was going with it is you get a question like that. And, again, you you picture this guy taking the time out of his day to write that. And you saw that message. That's a long message. Right, right. And it's it's almost like gratifying that people see what you're doing in life. Mm-hmm. and want to be a part of it or replicate it or see how they can get going down that road. And I just don't ever want to say a, a generic answer or a false, false tense deal of like, you know, if you, if you become a world champion duck caller, you're going to be able to make a lot of money in this. And a lot of people have that sense that if you're that guy, like that world champion, well, I know a lot of people that have won world championships and everything. Right. And still don't understand how to turn that into momentum or growing the brand. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that that is such a small part of it. You might get asked by somebody like, hey, you're a world champion. Can you endorse this or can we use you as a model in this? And we're going to pay you a certain amount of money. But that doesn't mean that that person's necessarily going to know how to, how to grow a brand if they win a world championship. So I never want to give like false pretenses of saying, hey, if you do this and you become a best duck hunter and you hunt hard and you travel and you do all this, you're going to be able to grow into a business. I, I really want to try to, to tell them that it, it has a lot to do with education. It has a lot to do with knowing how to read people and communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a way, the way that things are going, and you tell me what you think about this because you're younger than I am and I don't even know, you, you're you pretty much considered a millennial. I know you don't want <laughs> don't me to say that, say that, but <laughs> you're kind of a millennial. Uh, I don't think you are. Where's one of those knives at? (laughs) (laughs) But think about it. The way that people in their 20s now, out of college or in college, and even in high school they have phones, think about the way they communicate now. Mm -hmm. Now, you can say with a brand, we have the ability to reach a ton of people. Okay, so this social media deal that I'm on and we're doing this, you know, building a brand and we're trying to elevate our product line and get it out there and be clever and be witty and out of the box and all this, it helps grow a brand. We have access to millions of people with the touch of an app. Right. You didn't have that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Had the Internet, had the world, you know, WWW World Wide (laughs) Web and you had that and it just keeps evolving. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, but on the other flip side of that. I honestly think that it's teaching people how not to be able to communicate and how not to be able to negotiate because right. everybody thinks that everybody's accessible. If I type this message real quick, they're going to be able to get to them. I will be the first to admit I get a lot of business done through texting and through messaging, not instant, you know, not, not private messaging or social media. We do a lot of branding and marketing on social media, but I'm not saying that technology is not the baddest ass thing in the world. I'd hate to live without it. I don't, I don't want to be that person that's going to tell you, sit there and tell you in your eyes that, 
oh man, I want to live in the mountains and I want to get away with this deal. I'd be <laughs> naked without my phone. Yeah. I love the access we have, but on the other hand of it, I also grew up in a time to where you had, you didn't have that. So you had to learn how to look somebody in the face or go into a coach's office and say, coach, here's, here's what I think. I think you're missing out on, 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 on me being the, a better right fielder or center fielder. And here's why. And I would do this kind of stuff because probably talent-wise, I probably wasn't good enough. But I'd go in there and I'd go, here's what I'm seeing. And I would talk to the coach like, give me a shot against this team because I know that I can cover this outfield a lot better in San Jose State right at San Jose right. state because the grass I've ran on it before I play and I would try to negotiate things to be. And, <laughs> and I think that, and that's that might be a poor example, but I did that. I'd go in and talk to my coaches and I'd sit there and have conversations with them. And I didn't grow up just texting people and instant messaging people and, and sending a picture and, and getting this many likes on it. Right. You really had to go in there and prove yourself and be a part of the team and show them that you were loyal and dedicated. And now I'm wondering, is that really happening in society to where people are learning that negotiation process, that how to talk, that how to brand? I don't know if, if it is or not, but I think it can be two-sided. Social media can be strong if you have an established brand or you're starting off a brand. As long as you have those other skills, I don't think you can depend on it to get you through entirely. I think people definitely are losing that, uh, the whole aspect of communication period. And you should see some of the messages we get, man. And it's, it's I ignore most of them. Every now and then I reply to some of them. But it's, uh, hey, I know that if you sent me a pallet of coolers, I could sell them for you. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, um, I don't know you, first of all. Hi, my name is Brian. Nice to meet you. I have no idea who you are. I know nothing about you except your profile picture on your private Instagram account. And you want me to just ship you a truckload of, of product because you're sure you could be the best salesman we've ever seen and we have the best product in the world and you want to push it. So my first question is, okay, so which one do you own? Oh, I haven't bought one yet. Well, how do you know it's the best in the world? I hate when people tell us we're the best in the world, it's the coolest, and they've never even seen it. Like I, be, be honest with us, you know? Buy one if you're that awesome. If it, personally, how I would do that, if I wanted to approach a company like that, buy a couple of them, go approach some of these smaller stores in your area and go see if there's any interest for a dealer or something like that. And then go to the company and say, hey, here's the deal. I bought your cooler. I like it. I tried it out. I appreciate the different aspects y'all put into it. I like your different color options, blah, blah, blah. I bought one, love it so much that I went and I told my buddy that owns the local farm and feed store. I went to the local True Value or whatever the case is. Now they, they have to have them in their store. How can we make this happen? Or can I be a part of your team? That's what I would do. Now you're getting into a totally different – now you're getting into the real um, – form of marketing that's being done on the internet a lot and, and a lot in our space and i think we've even touched on this in conversation and i don't want to make it sound like it wears me out but it does wear on me a little bit and it's that it's that person you're talking about that because they're a good hunter or they're a good fisher or they're pretty right there's a lot of this going on in our marketing now so you tell me how a pretty girl <clears throat> can get a pistol company or a holster company to send her a product and say, you put this on your social media because you have 100,000 followers, even though we don't know what your retention is, we don't know what your engagement is, we don't know how many impressions you're making. We don't even mm -hmm. know if that's being looked into. Don't know if they have the algorithms process to figure it out even. 
what what what's going on with that and where somebody can just get a a, a, a gator cooler and, and tie their shirt up a little belly shirt and then go out and all this makeup on and sit on a cooler like they're catching a the fish is that credibility is that really a marketing deal because it's going on every day so that person has the ability because they're pretty or they're sexy or they've bought followers it's going on every day yeah. is that really marketing is that going to be the way that our marketing is going to where a company can just send this product hey pretty girl put this on there and all these guys that are enthralled by your beauty are going to put this code in and buy that holster there's no right. way that me personally i'm going to buy a holster just because you're a good looking girl what is that really what message is really being sent <laughs> by the companies that are choosing to do that mm -hmm. i don't think it's positive I think it's a false positive. And I'm not saying that those girls don't deserve the opportunity to make income and think outside the box and they're beautiful. I don't care about any of that. Mm -hmm. But if they're not credible and they don't even know how to wear that holster or pull a gun out of that holster or show somebody like, hey, here's why I do like this holster. It's easy to conceal. It's safe. My barrel's here. I can get to my handle and my web. And that, that that's just one example. But you tell me a little bit. Is that kind of the road you're on is like, that's the way a lot of these products are being marketed. So am I going to see a gator cooler with a girl in a bikini, Alpha Baton Rouge fishing for a tuna Man. and saying, buy this cooler because I'm hot? If you, uh, you thought you hit a nerve earlier, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the biggest pet peeve of mine with this company. It drives me absolutely freaking crazy. It, it is the most annoying thing to me to get these messages. And I've, I've got them a lot. And I think it's a lot of people that just... Um, they prey on new companies. So, hey, what do I want? Oh, I need a new cooler. Let me search on Instagram real quick, coolers, and Gator Coolers pops up. Oh, they look like they're new. Let me send them a bunch of messages and say, hey, look, um, I've got a big butt, and I don't mind showing it, and I can sit, sit on this cooler and uh, take a picture and send it to you and post it. And, and look, then you'll get all these other perverts that are wanting to look at the picture. So you'll get That's not the followers we want. If you ever see marketing from Gator that has to do with the naked chick sitting on the cooler, it has zero to do with me. It's, it's, I'm out the picture. That's whenever I've sold the company and moved on to greener pastures because it's not happening. We, we do, um, now don't get me wrong, the, the social media, the girls on social media do have their role for sure. Um, we partnered with Hannah Barron and Jeff Barron, and I love them. And Hannah, she's gorgeous. She's a pretty girl. She's a killer. She's, she's got over 400,000 followers, but she's legit. And I don't have to worry about uh, why why what what how can you sit four feet from me and tell me that and i'm not saying she's not now listen my job is to figure out what is and what isn't and so is yours mm -hmm. i want you to tell me if we're sitting in a room and we get it and we get approached by hannah and her dad jeff it's jeff right yep and they say we have four hundred thousand followers you do your due diligence and look what that what, what that the impressions are in the engagement and it and, and then you can tell me Hey, Chad, I know that you're part of this company. I really want to invest in this girl, Hannah. She's the real deal. She's pretty. She's smart. She's well-spoken. She's got an accent. I know all of the things you're looking at. I'm intrigued by Hannah. But is she legit? And she how do you, legit. and I'm not asking you that now. I'm saying in the, right, in right. the beginning stages, how do you know that she's legit? So I didn't realize the whole buying followers aspect deal when we first started i didn't even know that was a thing that for 20 bucks i can get a hundred thousand followers on instagram can you no, really yes it's retarded i, I can't stand he didn't it. mean to say that word right <laughs> it slipped <laughs> so the first thing i do go to these pages whenever people approach us go to their page click on their followers i do a couple scrolls and i look at their followers it, they have no profile pictures they're following ten thousand people they have two followers they have no posted pictures it's obviously a bot account. It's obviously paid for. 
Hannah doesn't have that. That's that's a good sign number one. Good sign number two is she's like this tall and goes underwater to stick her arm in a freaking hole and catch catfish this tall. That's she's more legit than me. I won't even they invited me to go do it. I won't do it. What, noodle? Yes. No, I no would, way, I'm I would never it. do it. No. She's crazy. She like is. I would look at Hannah and her dad right now and be like, You're nuts because yes. she's tiny <laughs> and there's gotta be a snapping turtle down there That's that could smoke the her whole leg. Snapping turtle is what's what bothers me. But could that, smoke oh, her whole no. leg. And you know what's crazy is that look at this uh, record state record alligator that was killed in the same river that we noodling in right now. What? Where are, are they in where are they at? Alabama. They're in Alabama, yeah. right? But she she hunts. Like, I'm not saying Jeff doesn't help. I'm sure he's, you know, as any father would be for their kids. He's a good help, and he's a mentor, and he sets stuff up. But she doesn't need him to show her which way a trail camera's supposed to face. You know what I mean? She doesn't need him to load her gun for him or uh, rattle the bait bucket for the deer to come in. And and she's legitimate. She's humble. She's got... um, what I like about her compared to a lot of the other people too is she doesn't just accept every single dollar that's thrown at her. She's not going to do these hard sales where, hey, for a couple hundred bucks, um, if you have another t-shirt company that you want me to post, I'll post it in my story for 24 hours and try to sell some for you with a discount. She doesn't do that. And if she doesn't like your product, she doesn't want anything, you know, she doesn't say, oh, I don't like your product, go away. But that's how we started was, hey, do you mind sending me a cooler? We'll try it out if we like it. I'll definitely be all over it. Then we'll take it from there. It's not a, hey, send me a cooler and a check, and I'm part of the team now. That's that's not how it goes. So you like Hannah? I like Hannah and Jeff. He's awesome. And we first met them. They they went down to Louisiana to uh, to go meet with the guys at ProDrive, and they're not too far from our house. So he swung by, uh, actually at Mitch's house, and they spent the night there. And jumps out the truck, and you know what? This is the first time I've ever met him in my life, but it's like I knew him forever. And they're, they're as cool as can be. So now I'm sitting there on, on your board of directors, and I'm I'm looking at this Hannah girl, and you say, yeah, she's this tall and catches fish this big, and and um, she's not afraid to go under the water. She hunts by herself. She knows how to set up trail cameras. She knows how to pull back a bow, knows how to shoot a gun, knows how to load a gun, knows how um, one of the things I look for is, well, is she well-spoken? Can she promote gun safety? Can she promote the ethical part of this lifestyle and mm-hmm. everything from killing it to eating it? And is, and she is. She's the real deal. I've looked at her. I've, we've gotten other companies in, in, interested in her. I, I liked the lifestyle she is, but how how are you going to persuade me that that's going to sell a cooler? Not meaning just her specifically but, mm-hmm. and, and personally, but... How is this form selling a cooler? If this girl is four foot seven right. or four foot eight or five foot mm-hmm. one and she goes under the water and comes out with a, a 50 pound catfish on her arm and she goes, Hey, I'm Hannah. This is what I do for a living. <laughs> and I'm under the water and this is my dad, Jeff. And, and you know, we're going to go s- cut this, this up and we're going to fry it tonight. And we're going to eat it. Right. Okay. Right. That's what she does. She's awesome at it. <laughs> yeah. That's what noodling is, right? You Basically. Go, okay? that's, that's the small. You throw them in the boat yeah. and you go cut for them sure. up and you fry it and you have a fish fry. Right. How does that alligator cooler? Man, it, you know what? She doesn't just fish, but uh, what's awesome is coolers don't have a season. They don't have a height requirement. They don't have an accident requirement. There's always a reason to use a cooler. It is, it's not just uh, noodling season or not just hunting season. They use it on a daily basis. Jeff's always got one in his truck. He builds houses for a living. He's always got, you know, drinks ice down there. <clears throat> Obviously, they always, they kill and eat more stuff than pretty much anybody that I know. And, um, there's always a reason to use it, but the awesome part about it, and this is, this is why Mitch and I chose to, 
um, partner with them, yes, she's got an amazing following, but with the way the algorithms are changing, and this is why I say, yes, the Instagram girls definitely do have their places. With the way the algorithms are changing, we'd have to spend thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands of dollars per post to get the engagement that she gets. And I wouldn't believe it if you told me that, if I didn't see it myself, but I've seen it myself. And I've seen last year, probably around August or so, when Facebook really changed, and it, it, I was lost because our main thing was Facebook. And I didn't even have an Instagram, really. And I, I, I've never been so on you're, Instagram So before. you're banking on her engagement with her followers mm -hmm. of this little girl from Alabama that can noodle. Right. And fish. And will become and one of your main sources of marketing based on her engagement. You're willing to invest in that. Absolutely. Now, what's the next step? Now, how do you... Do you just sit back and, and the coolers are selling, so Hannah must be doing her job? Or do you sit back and say, I need a monthly report from Hannah to say, where is Gator being mentioned? How many times a week? How many times a month? What are your impressions for this month? What is your engagement rate mm -hmm. this month? And how do you sit there with Mitch and, and, the, and the management of Gator, which is pretty much Brian and Brian Mitch. Brian and Mitch, right. <laughs> and say... Yeah, she's she. It's worth us staying involved because we're moving coolers. Right. But how do you associate any of those clicks and those sales with Hannah? Is there a way to do that? Well, she specifically has a discount code that she and I'm, I'm a huge fan of not doing hard sales. I can't stand hard sales. I would have never caught this catfish if I ain't had my gator in the boat. I cannot stand that. And that was one of the first things that uh, Hannah and I talked about was we don't do hard sales. I don't like hard sales. So all she does is post it. Natural pictures, that's basically the only thing that we post online. Um, just a natural picture using it, whether it's just she's sitting on it after they went kill some hogs out of a trap or she's posing on it you know, with the catfish on her shoulder. It, whatever it is, she'll post it, tag us in the photo, and then she'll just mention at the bottom. If, if you're interested in gator coolers, here's a discount code. You can save some money, and we can track it that way. But it, there's also people that don't use a discount code that come from her. And I know that because they message us constantly. Hey, I seen I love this cooler. I seen y'all on Jeff's page, or I seen y'all on Hannah's page. I love the little the pressure release button. I seen Jeff did a video the other day, and the other cooler. I don't want to mention names. I about ripped the gasket off every time I open it. it, it and is I, that the one you were just showing me, or was that your no, voice? That was mine. That so, was yours. Yeah, Jeff has a different one. But the other thing is, I have never been anywhere in this. Um, space you say so any of the trade shows any of the events we went to we went down to ICAST nobody knows Brian McGee nobody knows Gator Cooler people know Gator Coolers but they don't know me so when you're walking down the aisle nobody knows me but we couldn't take two steps without somebody stopping and wanting to take a picture with Hannah and Jeff everybody knows them they they're and it's because they're legit and it, you'll see this if you look at the history of some of the other Instagram people they were all around the same mark, follower-wise and engagement-wise, and then she took off, and then you had the other ones that are kind of stagnant. Suddenly, they grow 100,000 followers mysteriously within like a week for no reason. Probably, you know, don't want to speculate. So are you but. trying to tell me right now that other... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm asking. I'm getting your opinion. You're telling me that another person in that same space that has the Instagram page and is watching Hannah and watching her grow. Definitely, definitely. Are they assuming that she's paying for those followers? So they're willing to go do that to keep up with the Joneses. And here's the deal because this Instagram and this social media, it creates a lot of envy and a lot of jealousy in people because now 
everybody looks happy. Everybody yeah. looks like they're having a great day every day. Everybody's got their makeup on. Everybody's got their new camo jacket on. Everybody's at, at the Starbucks. Everybody's living life, right? Right. Now they see this, and they see these companies like Gator get behind her. You think that people would go and say, man, I got to get my account up. I got to chase that kind of deal. I got I to gotta be able to get Gator to believe in me, so I'm willing to go purchase even if Hannah never bought any followers and she's growing organically, which is obviously the best type of growth in mm -hmm. social media for marketing means mm -hmm. you're telling me that a, another girl out there, another guy's like, wait, if this girl can do it, I'm going to do this. And now you start to see this big multiplying effect in social media. And now you're getting bombarded with people like, Hey, I can do what Hannah does. Me and my daddy, we went noodling twice last week. Here's some <laughs> pictures of it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like stuck because now you're like, well, whoa, if it's working with Hannah, can it work with this one? Or do you automatically go, no, we're good with what Hannah's doing and we're not going to, can you automatically spot the fake ones from the real ones? I, I can't, and it's weird. But, uh, you know, my spidey senses goes off. I don't know <clears throat> if it's I have trust issues or what, but um, when people message me with stuff that's too good to be true, I typically say it's too good to be true. You know, I learned a lot of hard lessons in life uh, early on. So now I kind of have my guard up. It's the same thing when you guys called us, um, when I talked to Clay for the first few times, man. It's, we have to do a little bit of research and, and do a little bit of soul searching before we just jump into it. And it's the same thing when these guys and girls message us, hey, you know, we have this and this and this, and I do this, this and this. But you know what? If you've got 250 followers or 250,000 followers, sorry, and I, I look at your photo and you have 100 likes on it, or if you have 2 million followers and you have 70 likes on it, which has also been the case before. Like, really? Yes. And uh, how am I supposed to take that serious? So what does that mean? So uh, obviously, I, I, first thing in my mind that goes off is, oh, this is a, a bought account. And you look at it, click on their followers, you start you know, doing a couple scroll searches down. And even if it's not fake bot accounts, it's a lot of stuff that's overseas. And it's, that's not the customer base that we're trying to, to go to anyway. I mean, it, it wouldn't do us any good if we have people that, um, you know, have a million followers, but they're all in Australia or China or India or whatever the case is. Um, it wouldn't do us any good. So we look for, <clears throat> first I look at their content. I look at the kind of stuff they post. Not interested in the whole naked girl on a cooler thing. You know, it's not something we push. And that's what I love about what Hannah and Jeff does. It's, it's nothing, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So we look at their content and see all that. Um, I look at their followers and see if I can spot any really quick. You know, if you can do two or three little thumb scrolls and, and find a few fake accounts, obviously there's a bunch more on there. And I don't have time to uh, to scroll through 250,000 and name all the fake accounts and kind of call them out on it. But I'll send them a screenshot back. What's, what's these accounts here? You know, how, how did you gain these followers that are uh, following 10,000 people? They have one follower, you know, they have no profile picture. I, how did you get that? And if they don't have a good answer for that, then, you know, most of the time they realize they're caught and they just don't really message back. But honestly, I would rather somebody with a thousand followers that's genuine and that can genuinely provide us with the stuff that we're looking for as far as marketing, um, just photos. And when I say photos, just natural photos, um, actually using the product and actually liking it. I would much rather somebody like that instead of, of saying, Hey, we have, um, we have the top 10 girls on social media for 500,000 and under followers. They're all part of the Gator crew, would, and half of those are fake. I would much rather the, the natural ones. And you talk about natural as you can look at a photo, 
And and I'm I'm starting to realize this too. Like, what is the percentage rate? The Rock has 150 million followers right. and gets a million likes. Mm-hmm. People are actually likes. engaged with them. But the percentage of how many people follow them and how many people are clicking mm-hmm. is not right. It's not that big. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He's strong. His ability to, to his ability to reach the audience is there. Right. Not saying it's not. So now you take that down on a smaller level. You got a person that comes to Gator Coolers and says, mm-hmm. 250,000 followers, you look at it and you can say, there's not much engagement there right. by what their marks are getting. Mm-hmm. And then I can specifically ask for it. You know, give me your engagement for the last month or send me a screenshot of uh, where your followers are based out of. And if the majority of it is outside of the United States, then you know it's fake or you know it, it won't do you any good. You know, it won't have any benefit for Gator if we have 2 million followers that are all based in some kind of stand, one in Pakistan or whatever, overseas. That does us no good. So we're focused on the people that's here, our actual customers. Um, we don't worry. It's not necessarily just a follower count is what I guess I'm trying to say. So when you look at, I talked with Brett about this too. I've had this conversation a lot of times. When you're growing a brand and you have you take it what our relationship mm-hmm. what do you and, and you know i've heard you know with the amount of money and the, what the spend was going to be and how hesitant you were and how hesitant your brother really was mm-hmm. when you take that leap and you come on board with what you know say it doesn't necessarily have to be us but with what we offer mm-hmm. are you starting to see like in the in the industry now well is it a tv show what else is there right you start to break that down and start to see all the engagement on every different level. Like you just mentioned, Hannah, she's got the strong Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she does on Facebook. I'm sure she's strong she on Facebook. She was strong on Facebook, but just like everybody else, whenever the algorithms hit in and changed, it, it, Facebook, in my opinion, is dead to me. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And they own Instagram. Right, but they haven't changed it up on Instagram yet. So, Not yet. Right. Then you go to a trade show and a consumer show and you're walking through Louisiana or Alabama and people are stopping. Hey, Han, I seen you on your deal on their phone and they love it. Right. It's a form of marketing. Right. That's what you're doing because even when Coca-Cola takes out three million or four million and spends it for a Super Bowl commercial, they don't know who's watching it or if people are fast forwarding through it. It's a form of marketing. It's a traditional form of marketing that that, they're going to get a certain amount of ROI return on their investment through that commercial and they're willing to pay the big bucks based on the ratings and the eyeballs that are going to be on that Super Bowl every January or early February. Mm-hmm. That's what they're basing it on. You're basing your, your engagement with us or your relationship with us based on proof, based on longevity, based on what we've done in the past. The other partners that we work with, are you looking at that? Well, they got these guys. They must be doing something right. They're not only on the TV, but they got this social media going. They not only got social media, I've seen they got live events going. Are you are you starting to break all of that down and start to see how an entire network can benefit the Gator brand? Or are you just saying on a wing and a prayer, here's some money, I hope that you guys go and create. How are you going to capitalize on our partnership? And what are your thoughts right now on what we're doing together? So the, one of the hardest lessons that Mitch and I has learned is it's not about us or what we necessarily like. So when somebody approaches me and says, hey, I have this TV show and we've been on TV for 10 seasons and we do all this stuff and it's really cool. I haven't had cable and I don't even, I can't tell you how long my, my TV hasn't been hooked up. We, and honestly, when it was hooked up, if it's, uh, if it's not on the Disney channel, I don't even know what's playing anymore. With Nick Jr. Or, or Kids Disney for my kids, I don't even know what's on TV. So 
a TV show doesn't necessarily interest me. But the other stuff outside, when you when you take, okay, my personal opinion is the TV show doesn't interest me, but there's obviously thousands of people that do enjoy it. So it's not just about me. Whenever we take your personal, I don't like, let's say, I don't like red coolers. I was pissed when Mitch bought them red coolers. And it has been one of the hottest selling colors that we have. I don't like it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it won't do well. So whenever we look at, um, we start talking to you guys, like I told you, man, it's everything was telling me, no, we're not ready. It's too early. Don't do it. But my gut told me to do it because you wouldn't be with the Benelli's and the Traegers and the, it, all of the federal and all these huge, you know, huge companies if you wasn't good at what you did or if it, or if it didn't make sense for them, they wouldn't be involved with you. That's, that's kind of, we took that, I guess, outlook on it when we first started. How hard of a sell was it to, I mean, I think that with the way marketing's going in this space, mm -hmm. it's going to come down to how, who has the strongest legs and the most legs underneath that table. Is it a, is it a two two stand table that's kind of wobbly? Mm -hmm. It's got three legs. It's not really. It's a little bit more stable, but still got some wobble to it. Is it a four leg table? Is it got eight legs on it? What is the reach? What is the potential? What are we going to look for in partners as we grow this brand and set out on this mission now? Because now you're you're in too far to turn back now. <laughs> Y'all are smoked. Y'all yeah. are smoked. It ain't just a couple of LSU coolers at a tailgate party no, anymore. No you got to start figuring out where is our best investment going to be to right. get the most impressions. But also on top of that, there's the way that I look at it is who brings the, the most opportunity there to keep that engagement going and how do they keep that engagement going? And me and you've had tons of long conversations on the phone. I remember one night when I was driving to Canada, we had about a two hour one right. on music. Right. And what music has done for our brands and the association that we've networked out with music in Nashville and different places in Texas and the South and California and all of the different bands that we work with. But we've had ideas on how to turn that music and our network towards the Gator deal and figure out how can we do maneuver some of that into it. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at that now? Like there, it's easy to start seeing companies that you can market with in this, what people might call untraditional way of paying ambassadors, paying guys to fly your flag, being on a TV show and social media and a podcast like we are today, mm -hmm. consumer shows, trade shows, hunting camps. There's a lot of opportunity there. So would you say that you are, that you are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as having an idea of where you and Mitch are going to want to invest your money in the future based on the Hannah's, based on the foul lives, based on the, the different associations you have right now? Do, mm -hmm. do, you, do you know where I'm going with that question? Are you starting to see more clearly as maybe opposed to a year ago where you can say, yeah, my dollar is being safely spent right now in marketing? I think that um, we definitely know what direction we want to go in. And we, some of the right doors are opening and some of the, we're definitely moving the right way. But as far as impressions and stuff, I'm more focusing on personal impressions, meeting people and talking to people and having personal connections at, at the hunting camps that, you know, we've had guys that um, record songs while they're sitting on one of our coolers or, or got a t-shirt on. And out of that, when they post it, then some of their other buddies who also play music, messages like hey i seen you know jordan playing this song blah 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 
if y'all are interested, I also play. I can, you know, I'd love to do a deal with y'all. It grows our our network that may not necessarily know of their music and their network that may not necessarily know of our products. It grows them together. We all benefit from it. And I, I love that idea and that aspect as opposed to let's invest in every check on Instagram. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to go that direction. But we definitely see... We definitely, the light's definitely coming towards us. Yeah. So like when I tell you something like NWTF convention, Mm -hmm. here's what we've experienced there in the past. Here's what I'd like to see happen this year in February of 2019. Do you take that serious? When I say, when a guy like me and not, not that I'm anybody, I'm just saying when that opportunity comes to you, is that something that goes in one ear and out the other? Because now you just said that you're more into that personal touch, which is very mm-hmm. big in marketing and growing a brand. Mm-hmm. Last year at NWTF, there was a lot of personal you know, touches, not in that sense of the word, but like right. a lot of touch points, right. a lot of conversation, a lot of eye to eye, a lot of handshakes, right. a lot of doors opening. Is that something to where you're like, hey, I can't afford to be away from the family. My wife is going to be busy that part of the year. There's a lot, going to be a lot of stuff going on with Super Bowl parties the weekend before. Right. We're going to be swamped with with pre whatever it is. Now it goes back to the beginning of the conversation on what you have are to the, make it work. What are the right <laughs> things to do and right. what are the things to say no to? And I'm giving you that opportunity. I gave you the opportunity. I didn't give it to you. I asked you to come out here. Is it an opportunity? It's one like, well, if I don't go out there, there might be a missed opportunity. Since you've got here yesterday, there's been a lot of opportunity right. and a lot of good things that have happened. Right. Now you look at it on a bigger scale of NWTF, which, you know, 70 to 80,000 people can walk that for in three days. I tell you, Hey, come and be a part of this. There's another opportunity that opens up. So do you sit there and go, Hey, Chad said this about this month, this weekend in in February, I got to start planning towards that. Or did you just like put it on the back burner because Hannah invited you to this one. You got going, you see where I'm, there's going to be so much moving parts to this deal going on. You guys can't stay a two man show for very much longer with the, the, the amount of momentum that you've bid off. Right. Immediately when you tell me that I'm thinking, do I have inventory? (laughs) <laughs> and yes, we have a container schedule coming around that same time. And then in March, I know we have two events coming right after that. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, will I be able to get off of, you know, my full-time project in uh, Baton Rouge? And it's, I definitely, the two-man show things is what's killing us and working full-time still. That's why I would love for this to be a full-time deal, to be able to go to all these shows and meet the people and shake their hand. You know, meeting Rodney Carrington last night, that was awesome. Shaking his hand, sending him a message wouldn't have been anything close to that. You know what I mean? Or perfect example is the guys from Real South Hunting. They sent me messages, sent me emails, and it was just like everybody else that sends messages and emails. Hey, we have a TV show. We'd love to talk to y'all about working with you. And in my mind, we have no budget for that right now. So it, thank you, appreciate your interest, but I'm not interested because I can't. Well, I meet them at a trade show, and they're awesome. There's there's some great guys. They're from Mississippi. And really easy to get along with. They come down to Mitch's house and spent the night there. And we cooked out in a little fire and went right around the boats a little bit and, and filmed a few things with them. The personal connection is a lot more important to me right now than just growing our Instagram account or growing our, our likes and clicks or how many people watch this podcast because I'm talking on it. You know what I mean? Like the, the personal connection is way more important to me than that. It's a good point. And I think that that's a good way to talk to people that are sending these messages 
and some good advice to give to somebody that might say, hey, how do I do what you're doing? Well, get out and meet people. Invest in a plane ticket. Yep, shake their hand. Fill your truck up with gas. Drive to Louisiana. Yep. Show up somewhere where, where Mitch and Brian are going to be. Shake their hand. Say, hey, I didn't want to just send a message on social media. I wanted to shake your hand tell you I bought a cooler. Love what love what it, what it is. I want to get another one, but I've got some ideas up in Virginia where I live. Right. And now you're looking at it like, Man, that's a legit deal. That's a right. that's the approach. It's and not. You can, it also gives us the opportunity to gauge the person too. Yeah, and that's you, why you I was. Can get that that's why I was trying to say oh, how okay. important <laughs> communication is. Right, face to face and being able to sit down and look at somebody. Are we getting away from that? Right. You just admitted it. Yeah. You just said it. Yeah, My sure. argument in a, in a nutshell is these guys and girls are sending these messages because it's so easy to access somebody now. Yep. That's and they fact. can get to you, and you're active on it. And then all of a sudden, you're getting flooded with these questions because you're active on it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's just repetition after repetition after repetition. And you're looking for somebody to step outside of that box, outside of the norm, and get on that plane, fly down there, or come to a show and see because they know you're going to be there. Yep. And get that face-to-face interaction going on. Show that company that you want to work for, that you want to learn for. You might want an internship. You might just want to go and, and shadow somebody for a day. Well, show them how serious you are by investing. If you really want to be a part of the Gator team or you want to be somebody that helps grow that brand or elevate that brand to the next level, invest in one. Make right. sure that it's something that you want to put your name on or that you want to tell your your uncle or your aunt or your cousin or your bu- your buddy in high school or college, hey, these coolers are awesome. Right. They got a cool brand going. Learn the language, learn the lingo, figure it out on what to say. So now when you do get an opportunity to meet Brian and you do want to take the next step into this industry or making this your living or your livelihood or you or you want to go down the path of say I did or my brothers did or you did or whatever, show that there's investment there. Right. Show that you're willing to invest in it from the beginning and take a risk because you might drive down to Louisiana or do a trade show and meet Brian and say, man, I don't like that guy. Right. I really like that guy. I want <laughs> right. to take this to the next step. Right. But at least it's more than just getting that same message that's being the typed and sent. And a lot of these messages message. always say, I know you get hit up all the time. <laughs> well, if you know that, then why aren't you saying, why aren't you doing something different to show me that you really do care about the brand and really do want to be a part of it? Well, it might be a financial deal. You got to get clever. You got right. to make sacrifices. You got to make an investment if you want to get involved in this lifestyle or this be owning a brand or building a brand or whatever. Right. So I think it's cool that you see that and that you're going to be, you got the Hannah's through social media, but you've met them. You got us through TV and social media and through podcasting and all this, but you've met us. We run together. Mm-hmm. We have a lot in common. We can talk smack. We talk a lot of smack <laughs> last night. Like we've known each other for right. years. You right. came in here and within the first five minutes yesterday, you're like, damn, this is my kind of people. Right. And I think that that common bond or meeting somebody and being able to have that, to you know, that, that, that you just that instant gratification that gravitational pull towards each other you're like we want to do business together we trust each other and it makes me go i want to do more for the brand because he's a good dude he's got a good family i want to get that brand going to the right level but now you've brought up the next thing is where does it go from here because it can't continue to be a two-man show but to be to grow from that two-man show now another part of business that a lot of people don't understand is we got to get more money. Well, you're making all these sales. Take that money. No, that's that's not good enough. You you got to have a line of credit. You right. got to have money in the bank. You got to have access to more capital. Right. And now, what does that take? Oh my gosh, I might have to give up some ownership in my. What I started this brand. Right. I named this brand. Nobody gives a shit. Right. If you want to grow the company and you want to get money and you want to get private investors or something to get money in the bank to where you can free up and be able to tell the guys in the pipeline <clears throat> or the oil field, hey. 
thank you very much for this career, but I'm, I'm going out and I'm doing this. I got the money to do it. This mm-hmm. is the salary I'm going to get out of this invest. And now you get to put all of your energy into growing right. that brand that can be very rewarding and beneficial in the future. Right. That's the next step. That's the goal. And I say, you know, we, I say me and Mitch have done this up to now without trying, which is kind of crazy. It's, I don't want to say we didn't try or no effort because it takes a ton of effort, a whole lot of sleepless nights, a whole lot of hours. But we're not sales guys. We've never been sales guys. We haven't tried to sell at all. Actually, the only time I've ever pitched, I guess you can say, a sale was I just happened to go into a hardware store to get some propane because my propane fell, uh, ran out at my camper. And I noticed that they had a ton of stuff, like really, really cool. It's not just your typical old hardware store, you know. They've got a whole bunch of uh, outdoor cooking, like cast iron pots and, and big boilers and all this stuff. But I didn't see any coolers. And I, was, and I seen Yeti signs all over. I said, hey, do y'all, do you sell many coolers? We were selling a lot of them, but, you know, the, this area kind of got flooded. Everybody's a dealer now, and it became kind of cutthroat, blah, blah, blah. Well, what's it take to get into the store? Well, I'm, I'm looking for a product right now. You know, we're just looking for that right product. It's, it's something different, something cool. So well, what if I told you I knew of a company? And that's how I pitched it. I'm not, it, this, we've grew everywhere as we are right now, basically on social media and personal connections. So I know that if me and Mitch can free up a little bit, me specifically, because I don't, I don't know for a fact that Mitch is willing to leave his uh, career. You know, he's, he's got a career of benefits and all that stuff. I work for myself, so kind of do my own thing. But um, if I can free up and go to more of these shows and go, go to the NWTFs and, and go to the ICAST and go to the SHOT shows and meet people or come over here and, and meeting people like Mr. Anthony last night, you know, it's, it's, I need to do that. That's that's how we grow to the next level, or or going to some of these. Uh, we're really big partners with Ducks Unlimited in Louisiana. Going to, to more of their events, or going to some of their bigger events when they have the regional guys, more of the state guys there. I want to be able to do that. I need to be able to do that if we're going to take the company to the next level. Meeting Anthony last night, you just mentioned that is a door that opened. Correct. And could it play out any better that he literally looked at you and said, "We're going to be doing work together." Meaning that they own properties all over where right. you live in Mississippi and Louisiana, right. Florida. And now that opens up a door to where you have that personal contact. He told me to give you his number. He comes down there to visit his properties all the time. That could turn into so many touches of his, his resorts and his casinos and everything of being teamed up with the Gator brand in Louisiana. Um, it's, it'll blow your mind what they do in marketing and promotions, especially right. in the casino industry, because they're always getting, they're got to get people in the door right. to play the machine right. to keep building the casinos. Right. So they're going to, there's, that's going to turn into something that's going to be valuable to you because you made a, let's say a thousand dollar investment somewhere around there with a plane right. ticket right. and your time. And you brought this gift to me and there's some investment in this, right? Right. You got a comp room out of it. You got some nice meals, mm-hmm. but more importantly, you took that risk of saying, I'm going there for, it ain't even going to be 48 hours by the time you put your ass back in that plane <laughs> seat and fly back to Louisiana, right. which you got to go three hours from here to Dallas. You got to land in Dallas. And then you got another lay over there and you're, it's your right. time away from your family again. But just that one conversation last night and shaking that guy's hand who I've been friends with forever, that's going to turn into, it could turn into revenue. Mm-hmm. It could turn into marketing, branding, brand awareness, have the association on his properties down there and what he's able to do with his events and the Gator brand now, it's endless. And that's endless. that's what it takes, and that's what we have to do. And I, I realize that. I recognize it. We know for a fact. But 
Mitch gets to do a little bit more of the events and stuff like that. He he has some vacation time that he can use, but um, for me to get away is really tough. So that that's why our goal is you know to to start doing it more full time. And you know whenever um, I started talking with you guys and you you kind of say hey look here we have the show and we do the podcast and social media, but we also know these people and we do this with without without meeting you guys and knowing that first thing in my mind is yeah right <laughs> yeah how much I, more you don't, I don't, can you be I, I don't know you you know why would this random stranger be calling me and saying how much he can help me and that's that's probably a fault of mine it's kind of that you know little bit of a wall built up around but if i had to skip this you know not investing the money to fly out here and take off of work and and miss a weekend away and all that stuff or or get one of these pads made with your you know the duck call deal or or buying the Buddha and all that stuff. If I'd have skipped it, then I'd missed that whole deal. So I, I definitely realized that we have to do more of that stuff. It's the best way to do business. Yeah, I don't like the emails. The hey, meet this person because I never know how to respond to that. Nope. Hey, so and so, this is Brian. Meet him. Hey, him. This is Brian. Meet him. Like it. How do you respond? Like hey, I'm Brian. Like he just said, you know. But but if I'm in person and I can meet him engage them and see if they're being sincere or if they're blowing smoke. It, that's what I need to do. That's and you see that last night when we're sitting at that table and people nonstop are coming yeah. up and they're saying hi and I'm introducing them to you. And then right. Joey Gilbert, who's a professional a stud boxer, like, right, right. you saw how it was with him. People still come up to him right. this many years after retirement. Hey champ, what's going on? Good to right. see you. Humbled to meet you. And, and that's, you, you see that network. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Anthony leans down over the table and says, Hey, we'll be in touch. You know, yeah. that's, that's the things that, eye to eye and person to person communication get those touch points are so important. Right. And I think that that's cool how we've come full circle from where we talked about the the kids or the guys in their twenties. I got a 37 year old guy that messaged me the other day with the same kind of message. Well, I want to do what you do. I just want to be able to give hints of, of instead of sending that kind of message and, and pre and preceding it with, I know you get this all the time. I know you get covered <laughs> up with messages like this and I'm hoping that you respond how do you get somebody's attention and th- and do things different than if you already know that and you already have it in your head that everybody's doing what you're getting ready to do and you hit that send button, why not do it a little bit different? Right. That's how you have to do it. When you hear Joey's story, when they did the contender, which elevated his career and his income potential and everything, mm-hmm. he was on that on that show with Sylvester Stallone and and Sugar Ray Leonard back in the day, and it was huge viewing, huge, huge audience. Mm-hmm. And I went down to the finals in Vegas at Caesar's Palace the Mirage or Caesar's Palace. And I knew Joey forever. And I was like, holy smokes, dude. He had mobs of people on him. Okay? That show took him to the next level of stardom, celebrity, income potential, endorsements, sponsorships, Mike Tyson friendships, you name it. He still talks to Sly. He still talks to Sugar Ray. He represents many UFC fighters with his law firm. He went up to Sylvester Stallone in an Italian restaurant and got down on his knee, not to bother him, and just said, hey, Sly, I just want you to know who I am. He walked right past the security guard to do so and just said, I'm going to take a chance. He's got the gift to gab. He went in there and said, Sly, this, 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 and this. Sly stood up, introduced him to the rest of the table that was George Foreman, Mark Burnett, the guy that ended up producing right. the contender and Survivor. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, this is Joey Gilbert. He's going to, hey, hey, this is Joey Gilbert. He's going to be on our show. And that's how it happened. And then the Monday following that, 
he got a call from the production company in Los Angeles saying, we need you to do this, this, and this thing. He didn't have to fill out an application. He didn't have to go to any interview. He didn't have to go to a, an audition or anything. That's he was, awesome. He got it. Based on his ability and his confidence in himself to go build his brand yep. and reach out and network and be face-to-face. Sylvester Stallone probably was getting covered up, not him personally, but the production company was getting covered up with applicants. Right. And he decided to do something different, take a chance, because he very easily could have went in there and Sylvester Stallone could have looked at his bouncers and said, get this crazy bastard right, away from right. my table i'm trying to eat this freaking gnocchi with some red sauce but <laughs> right. he didn't he's like wow you look italian you got any italian <laughs> this is he goes you look italian you got any italian and he goes yes sir my my last name's gilbert but i'm adopted but my my mate i'm i'm 100 italian almost da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and uh sylvester stallone just looks at him goes, really? stands up and goes this joy and he says he's gonna be on our show Right then he did it. You see, that's just, I'm just telling that story because if that, if he decided to do something different, take a chance on himself, Mm -hmm. make a risk, make a sacrifice and take a risk and boom, it pays off. We had a, obviously not on that level, but we went to a show in Jackson, Mississippi a few months ago and we had a girl come up to us and uh, I could tell something was on her mind. You know what I mean? But uh, she, she bought a cooler and then she turned around, she was talking with her parents. I think her little sister was there. And then she turned back around and said, you know what? Um, I follow y'all on social media. I like what you do. I seen that you guys were looking to kind of add to your team. I just don't want to waste your time, you know, with generic um, the application that we sent out. We get thousands of messages about being on the team and filling out these applications. But she comes up, buys a cooler, shakes our hand, and says that she would like to, you know, anything that we want her to do, she wants to be a part of it. And if she wouldn't have done that, if she, if she would have just did like everybody else and filled out the application, emailed it in, and probably sent me a message on Instagram saying, hey, my name's Kaylee, and I just sent you in this, uh, I would have never read it. It would, been, it would have been with the rest of them that gets filtered through from the rest of the guys we have reading through them. And I would have never met her, and I've never seen that she is. she's the type of girl that, you know, we want to associate with. She's not – she hunts and fishes, but it's, it's not just about hunting and fishing. It's about being genuine. And you can, I can just tell that she was she was a genuine person, and she wanted to help us out and do this. And she's not like you know I don't have a hundred thousand followers, I can't post a picture and get you a million views. But you know, here's what we do: I can provide you with this type of content that you can use. And I just want to be a part of y'all's team. I'm not asking for free stuff. Obviously, she's not asking for free. She just bought her second cooler from us. Yep. I mean, it's I love that. But it, if she would have done like most of the applicants for that show and just sent an application, I would have never met her. She would never even, she wouldn't be part of our deal. Yep. And that's, I think we just gave some good advice on with the Joey story, this girl story here on, on how to set yourself apart, how to do things different, how to be organic, how to be transparent, how to be legit and real. And, and, and being real is, is a lot of people say it's hard to find these days. It's, it's It's very hard. It's very hard because there's so (laughs) much fake out there in the social media world that where you got to be intelligent to cut through the fake, to find the real that you're going to want to build this brand with. And Man, we've been talking already for an hour and 55 minutes. And it's like, I get into these business talks and I love it because, Mm -hmm. and that's why I tell people these podcasts are important to me because now it gets you that chance to really see how important conversation is and what you learn about somebody. And the product line, we haven't even really gotten to. And let's end it with talking about, right now you guys have a series of coolers on different sizes. Some mm-hmm. of them have wheels to where you can hold a handle and pull it. Mm-hmm. You got a hundred quart, a 70 quart, a 45 or a 40? 40? 45. 45 and a 20. 
Yeah, and, then a, ten. He had, and a tan. Yep. Tan's perfect size for like a six pack of cold sodas, yeah. Coca Cola classics. Yeah, Capri Suns. Or down in down in your country, what do y'all drink down there? Shasta. Y'all got Coca Cola and where y'all drink? <laughs> <laughs> so you got you have you have that. Then you have the soft cooler, the the backpack style cooler now, right. which is called the Egg. The Egg Gatorade. Yep. And that's got dry storage and cooler space. You can even use the cooler space. I use it as a carry on a lot to yeah. where I'm going, and then stuff it with ice and food and drinks. And then you have the Tumbler series in different sizes. What sizes right. do you offer in that? Uh, we have a koozie with a bottle opener machined into the bottom, uh, 20 ounce and 30 ounce cup. 30 ounce cups with yep. awesome lids. And then you have an, uh, merchandise with shirts and sweatshirts and hats. And, yep. and that's growing. You got good branding going on. Gator, yep. G A T R, coolers.com is the website. At Gator Coolers is Facebook or Instagram. You got yep. your Facebook, Gator Coolers. I'm proud to be a part of it, man. The the brand is awesome. The story's awesome. I like how you present it. I like how you c- carry yourself. Last night was a great time. I think mm-hmm. that it's going to be many beneficial years together of us brainstorming and thinking outside the box on how to set this brand apart with what we're doing with our entities and, and, and our branding potential and our network potential. But I think a big part of today's today's talk was, you know, there is a right way to do things in business. And if you want to get involved in these companies, it's try to get face to face with them. Try to show them that you're ready to make a sacrifice or, or make an investment in yourself to show them that you want to be a part of this brand. It might not be everybody's position in the world to start their own. Right. A lot of people just want to be a part of something. We'll show companies like Gator how you want to be a part of it and what you want to right. do with it. And, and I love it. I love the potential of it. I love these cups with our logo. We're getting ready to drop an entire series mm-hmm. of foul life and potentially this life ain't for everybody. Tumblers in both the 20 and 30, 30 ounce cups. And the artwork is awesome that we're doing with, with the Syracote company. Yep. We're getting ready to launch that. We're excited to show people the new, the new concepts there and the new design. So I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm glad that Clay reached out to you guys. And, and it was a time in our business and our brands that, you know, we weren't happy with what had just happened with the cooler company that we were with. And they know who they are and they know what they did. And it wasn't right what they did. And I'm not afraid to call them out on it. But I'm also not going to sh- start a war based on the uh, unethical uh, business practices that were taken on by them. And when I saw that and when I got off of the phone because they were too weak to do it face to face, when I got off the phone with them and I said, hmm, I'm glad I just said what I said to that individual. And when I told him on the phone that you're not going to be with this company much longer because of these are the kind of decisions that you choose to make and you're the marketing officer, the CMO, mm-hmm. and you're going to make this kind of a decision, then you're not very smart. And I promise you, and I told him this, I said, I, I should say this face to face with you, but I'm not going to waste any more time with you because he started the conversation by, hey, we don't have much time. I got to jump into another meeting. I said, oh, no. You're not going to jump into another meeting. I kept his attention for 20 minutes. I was in Oakland in San Francisco, Bay Area, California, on my way to a Guns N' Roses concert. Had just flown in from Omaha on a duck hunt, was coming in for a Guns N' Roses concert, flying out the very next day, and they decided to text me and ask me if I had 10 minutes. I said, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, we just want to talk. We just want to, you know, I'm thinking they just want to talk and strategize on something or they want me to get something done for them, and it was to let me go. And I told no, you're not jumping into another (laughs) meeting. You're going to listen to this. And at the end of it, I said, listen. Mark my words, you won't be with that company much longer. Not that I was going to be vindictive or anything that I did. I just knew at that point he didn't have the idea of what this business means and what this industry is and what the culture it has. And there's a lot of people in in positions in this industry that still don't understand the culture of this business. I'm not saying that I'm a pro at it, but I understand the culture of the outdoors. You understand the culture of the outdoors. And I told him, be gone. Two months. That was in November of 2017. He was fired in January of 18. I never said, ha ha, rah, rah. I just knew it. Yeah. I never even sent a message to his management. Didn't need to. Right. I knew he was going to dig his own hole because he had no clue 
what he was doing when he fired me, fired us. And I was like, and not that I'm anything special, but I knew the amount of work and branding that we were doing for them. Mm-hmm. And it was a bad move on their part. Mm-hmm. So when this came along, I wasn't, I had opportunities with several cooler companies, right? That were like, Hey, let's work together. Let's do this. And to me, it just always was the same thing. I was looking through them just like you look through your instant, instant Instagram messages of it's just another brand. Right. What are they doing that's innovative? What's what, what I liked your guys' story. I like the grips. I like Louisiana. I like right. Gators. I like the entire image that you guys are portraying and talking to you and getting to know you more through this podcast and this conversation across this table. It's opened my eyes even more that you're a real dude and that you and your family are in this for the right reasons. And you have a good head on your shoulders about who you're going to choose to work with and who you're going to choose not to work with. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of business and entrepreneur. The entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well in Southern Louisiana with Gator coolers. And that state should be proud. That state was put on the map big time, uh, you know, with in TV with what the Robertsons did with duck dynasty. And everybody's like, they don't even duck hunt on that show. And I'm like, they don't need to (laughs) look what they're doing. They're doing 400 million a year in merchandise sales. They got chia pets, freaking bathing suits at Walmart. Who in the freak in their mind would want to wear uncle Cy bathing suit? It doesn't matter what I think. They did right. it. They Willie did it. Them. Willie yeah. helped build that. And Jason, Phil, and Miss Kay, and Re- everybody down there, congratulations to them. And they put they did a lot for the tourism of Louisiana yeah, with their museum awesome. and their store. Yep. And then Louisiana's got an awesome thing set up with Hollywood and, and, and companies coming in to produce reality TV yep. and filming there because of the tax benefits. And the, mm-hmm. and, and the state's strong. And you guys are another example of a strong business entity out of the state of Louisiana with the entrepreneurial spirit to do it right. I have a feeling you guys are going to be huge and be successful. I love the brand. I love the name. I love the logo. You guys are awesome to work with. Do you have any closing words? Man, I just want to say we appreciate you, uh, the hospitality. I, I guess I can't uh, do a blanket statement saying that only nice people come from the South, but uh, definitely appreciate the hospitality. We're excited about the partnership and uh, look forward to other stuff that's coming up. And you're going to go back and sit Mitch down and say, look, man, I sat down with these guys. And <laughs> some of that stuff uh, on the internet about Chad Belling isn't necessarily true. I'm going to have to tell you my nickname off air. And uh, <laughs> tell you, I'm going to need a new nickname. <laughs> this is Chad Belding for Brian McGeehee, co-founder. His brother Mitch and him have Gator Coolers, GatorCoolers.com. Again, there's no O in this Gator. It's just G-A-T-R. Right. On the logo, you'll see a Gator laying across four capital letters, G-A-T-R. Check them out. They're tumblers. They're soft-sided back, backpack coolers. They're entire line of coolers the the 20 quarts awesome it's got a badass handle on it with a grip and all the sizes up to the 110 with wheels they're innovative they're going to have more products launching soon check out their website again gatorcoolers.com get a hat get a shirt support this brand they're awesome people from the state of louisiana the cajun the raging cajuns they call them down there and i'm still surprised that he doesn't like seafood he likes it a little bit i'm probably going to take him to sushi right now and just see how he reacts to that new episodes of the foul life again airing on the outdoor channel exclusively right now we're in season 10 this week we're in argentina with argentina duck hunting adventures thank you monty baldwin and the crew down there for hosting us in july of 18 we were excited and uh it turned out awesome on tv we're proud of it new foul life merchandise at the foullife.com check out our store lots of new hats and sweatshirts and shirts being launched every month and uh, we can't wait to see what the future holds Thank you to all of our partners. Again, this episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody today was brought to you by Gator Coolers, G-A-T-R, Louisiana. Brian and Mitch McGeehee, family men, fathers, husbands, uncles, they got it all going on. They're entrepreneurs in the great state of Louisiana. I could talk about it for days. But again, Tom, please play us out with that song by the one and only Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Thanks, everybody. Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the 
money's all gone. 